Hello, Nick DeGilio here on 720 WGN. We're live in the Skyline Studio, 18 stories above beautiful downtown Chicago. We're here till 4 o'clock, Thursday night into a Friday. So we'll have all the regular Friday features starting up at 3 o'clock, straight out of context. Nick D Show Spies, uh, You Big Dummy, and Fly Jams Friday. That's coming up. We're also going to talk with Amy and Joel Bender from Mindbenders Puzzles and Games in uh, Whiting, Indiana. Uh, I haven't talked to them. When was the last time we talked to them, Tom? A little while ago, right? Yeah. It was like right around March, right? Yeah, I'd say right around there. Yeah. Uh, it'd be nice to talk to them. Um, and uh, we're going to talk about uh, crazy ways that people have saved their own lives. we got a California man who used cans of Bud Light to put out a wildfire. Um, and uh, we're going to talk um, about a YouTuber who spent nine years and $9,000 creating a giant Coca-Cola and baking soda explosion. <laughs> it's a good way to spend your time, I guess. And in just a few minutes, uh, just a couple of minutes, Judith Matloff is going to join us. Um, she is a uh, safety consultant, a Columbia professor, and a war correspondent, seasoned war correspondent. Her book is called How to Drag a Dead Body or Other Safety Tips That You Hoped You t- to Never Need. So uh, she's a safety consultant. We'll talk about uh, all kinds of stuff on how to stay safe and survive uh, some uh, some emergencies and things like that. So, uh, I get an update on my dad. He's home, and he feels good. And uh, I want to thank everybody for all the all the thoughts and uh, you know you, you know and the prayers and all that cool stuff. But he's home. He feels good, and he's uh, happy to be home. And my mom is happy that he's home, and I'm happy that he's home. Talked to him a couple of times today, um, and um, they had him out of that. They released him from the hospital in the afternoon, and uh, he was home by around uh, three or four in the afternoon or something like that. So. Um, but he's home now. So, and it's all good. He feels great. So, and thank you for the concern and all the, all the comments and the thoughts and all that stuff. But yeah. So anyway, I wanted to give you a quick update on my dad, uh, and he's happy to be home. So, uh, Judith Matloff, as I said, is a safety consultant, a Columbia professor and a seasoned war correspondent. And, uh, she's got a book here, uh, called, uh, how to drag a body and other safety tips you hope to never need. Uh, so let's uh, bring Judith, uh, onto the show. Hi, Judith. Hi, good evening. Hi. So uh, how did you get into this world as a safety consultant uh, and and things like that? Um, I got into it because I wasn't safe. Ah. (laughs) I I was a foreign correspondent for decades, and I kept um, kind of falling into really not very safe situations. Uh, You know, somebody would threaten me with death, or, you know, suddenly I'd be walking down the street and a bomb would go off, or, you know, somebody would be pointing a gun at me, or I would just be strolling along, and suddenly I'd find myself in the middle of crossfire, or, you know, suddenly a big hurricane would, you know, erupt, and I didn't really quite know what to do. So while I'm doing all this stuff, I began to think, you know, we really need some safety protocols for journalists who um, work in dangerous situations, because normally what would happen is your boss would uh, call you at three in the morning and say, hey, there's a coup, you know, in Burundi, get on the next flight. And that really didn't really, it it wasn't really a good way to do work, because then you got there and you're like, well, what the hell do I do now? Like, there's fighting, you know. So I began to think about how, um, particularly after quite a few of my colleagues have been kidnapped and murdered and beaten up and jailed and whatnot, and I myself had been detained in the former Soviet Union, I began to think, you know, we really needed to do things in a safer way. 
So when I returned to the United States 20 years ago and began teaching at the Columbia Graduate School of Journalism, I began to incorporate safety protocols and measures into my training so that hopefully the next generation of journalists wouldn't make the same mistakes that I did. And I made some pretty stupid mistakes. Uh, then what happened was, yeah. um, you know, I, I word got out to normal people that I was doing this training. And suddenly, you know, like the plumber down the street would call and say, you know, I'm going to the Dominican Republic next week to see my family. What do I do about Zika? I hear there's a Category 5, you know, a hurricane coming. What do I do to prepare? Or, you know, a colleague would call me and say, you know, my 11-year-old niece is taking the subway. Should she carry a knife to defend herself? And then somebody else just said, you know, called me to say, well, you know, my mother's just been hacked. Um, and all her financial documents had been compromised. What should we do now to protect her banking statements? And so, you know, as I'm answering all these questions, I'm thinking, like, why don't I just put this all in a book? So that's the way it happened. That's how it happened, huh? How did you become a war war correspondent? How did that happen? Oh, it was by accident. I hate violence. (laughs) I don't like war. And I'm not one of these people who's like, yeah, I want to be like the next Hemingway. I'm not like that. It's just when you're a foreign correspondent and you work in places like Africa and the former Soviet Union and Mexico, you invariably have to deal with a lot of violence because that's just what happens. And even when I worked in London as a correspondent, you know, I'm walking down the street one day and there's a bomb that goes off outside Harrods, you know, planted by the IRA. So even when you're in a place like London or, you know, when I was in Madrid, the ATA separatists were bombing things right, left and center. So, you know, and even think about it in, in the United States. I mean, with all the the kerfuffles, you know, with, with demonstrations right now in armed groups, and you know, you're not really immune to violence, even if you live in the United States. Yeah, that's true, especially at this time. Uh, it's yeah, a, yeah, it's a, it's a very stressful time. Uh, Judith, hold yeah. on, okay. Sure. Okay. Uh, Judith Matloff is with us. She is a safety consultant, a Columbia professor, a seasoned war correspondent, and her book is called How to Drag a Body and Other Safety Tips That You Hope to Never Need, Survival Tricks for Hacking Hurricanes and Hazards Life Might Throw at You. That's the full title of the book. And we'll talk more with Judith. And if you have a question, uh, a safety concern, uh, and you want to jump in here, it's 312-981-7200. That's the Team Hochberg phone line, 312-981-7200, and we'll return. Nick DeGilio here on 720 WGN. We're live in the Skyline studio here till 4 o'clock in the morning. And it's a Thursday and going into a Friday. My guest is uh, Judith Matloff. Uh, She is a safety consultant, a Columbia professor, a seasoned war correspondent. Her book is called How to Drag a Body and Other uh, Safety Tips You Hope Never to Need. And uh, here is Judith. Uh, Hi, Judith. Hi. Hey, who, who were you a war correspondent for? Um, I started out with the Reuters News Agency, and then I moved on to the Christian Science Monitor. I was their bureau chief for Africa, 
for the entire continent of Africa, and then for the former Soviet Union. And then when I joined Columbia 20 years ago, I became an independent magazine writer. So I've written for the New York Times Magazine, The Economist, Financial Times, pretty much every major publication as mm. a contri- contributor. Okay. That's great. That's really, really great. What, what are some of the things that you write about? Um, things that I have written about, which were pretty seminal stories, were the Rwanda genocide. Mm. And the rise of Vladimir Putin, I was based in Moscow when he came to power. That was really interesting. It, you know, it was actually really fascinating because as soon as he was appointed, most people didn't know who he was. So I went down to St. Petersburg, where he was from, and I began asking people, so what's the scoop of this guy? And they were like, well, we don't really know very much about him. And he was really quiet, and he always sat in the back of the room and just watched. Mm. <laughs> Um, other stories I've covered was uh, were Nelson Mandela and the end of apartheid. That oh, was yeah. a really, really fascinating and very, very um, moving story. And Mandela was just an extraordinary man. He, he was just he really yeah. was one of the greats of humanity. Yeah, no question about it. Well, it's, that's it, boy, you you've covered a lot of stuff, Judith. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and now I'm watching America right now. <laughs> yeah, uh, I think everybody is uh, at this point. <laughs> I think everybody is. Uh, it's it's timely that your book is out now, considering the situations that we're in and what's been going on in the streets and stuff like that. Um, yeah. Uh, you know, go ahead. No, 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 you go ahead. Okay. Uh, and, and in the book, there are other things that you can learn from reading the book, like performing emergency first aid and creating a bunker, uh, safe when traveling, being safe from online hacks, uh, and a bunch of other uh, great tips to stay safe in any circumstances. Um so uh, the book was something that you were like, you were giving people advice and you were like, you know what, I'm just going to put this all in a book. Absolutely. And, it, you know, I've written four books, this being the latest one, and it was the quickest book to write. It literally, you know, because it's, thing, it's stuff that I teach and it's stuff that I live. I simply just sat down and like, you know, crammed it out, cranked yeah. it out in about six months. Um, it was a very organic book. And um what I, you know, you're right. I mean, it was so prescient in so many ways. I mean, I don't think any of us, except maybe epidemiologists, anticipated that we'd be living through this, this, this galvanizing social and health moment at the, you know, at the current time. I yeah. mean, it really is extraordinary. Yeah. Well, it's a, uh, it's, it's a, it's a weird time, and we, and we could use all the help we can get. So that's why I think people should uh, go out and get your book, How to Drag a Body, or other safety tips that you hope. Uh, you would never need. Now, you have um, in the title of the book, the subtitle of the book, Survival Tricks for Hacking, Hurricanes, and Hazards uh, That Life Might Throw You. Well, we're dealing with a hurricane right now. Um, yeah, and it's it's really an unprecedented situation, as well as the, the horrific fires that are occurring right now in, in California. Yeah. And it's actually something I've been writing about for the last few months before these disasters began, because to... Organize an emergency response during a pandemic it creates unprecedented challenges, both for um, ordinary citizens who are trapped in these situations, as well as the, the authorities who are responding to them. Yeah. And, um, it, it, you know, without a doubt, the emergency managers are doing the very, very best they can, but they're struggling with reduced resources. They're struggling with less staff and less volunteers due to the fact that um, most volunteers, I don't know if people know this, most volunteers tend to be retired people in um, over 60. So they're not coming forward the way they normally do because 
the pandemic is keeping the you know their movements restricted. Yeah. Um, you know, it it really is a, a very disturbing time, and it creates such a quandary for people. Do they stay at home so that they don't expose themselves to the virus in very crowded shelters, or does that increase their risks of dying or getting severely injured if they remain trapped in their homes? So this, you know, again, it's 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 a very very disturbing situation, and yeah. uh, you know, people are responding to it as best they can, but they're kind of making it up as they go along. Have you uh, have you have you been in touch or interviewed or spoken with anyone in these areas in California and in the South? I have spoken with emergency managers. I haven't actually spoken to anybody in the last few days, but I spoke to people, you know, again, repeatedly over the last few months about what sort of preparations were put being put into effect. And it's really, it's really area by area, locality by locality, region by region. There's no one national response to this. It's really just being um, dealt with really community by community. So some communities were better prepared and had better resources and had already thought through their their programs and their plans. And others, um, for whatever reasons, just weren't as well equipped or didn't have um, as good planning and preparation. What are some of uh, what are some of the uh, the tips or or advice that you have for the people who have to you know, deal with, uh, let's start with the hurricane. What are, what are some of the tips on on doing that or dealing with hurricane Laura? Yeah, I mean, really, if the authorities say to evacuate, really evacuate, because the thing is, there are going to be less people available in case the situation gets really, really severe. There just aren't going to be as many people available to fish you out if it it really, really gets bad. Um, The other thing which I would recommend for anybody, whether or not you live in a hurricane or a wildfire zone, is get... A, what's called an NOAA radio. These are um, emergency radios that pick up uh, alerts um, in any emergency situation. For instance, even if there was another 9-11, you would pick up the alerts on it. And the beauty of these radios, and um, I don't own shares in them, so I'm yeah. not marketing them, but, <laughs> right. but the, be- the beauty is that they're hand-cranked batteries, so you don't have to rely on other power sources to um, for them to work. You don't need batteries. You don't need an electrical source. They have USB ports so you can recharge your phones. And um, the other thing is um, they have they usually have really really strong flashlights on them, and they're really teeny weeny. I just updated my model that we we always have one in the house, and they're they can be a lifesaver literally. So that would be one thing. The other thing I would recommend is find out where your evacuation uh, route and site would be because of the pandemic. The schools or the stadiums that people used to go to in the past may not be taking in people seeking shelter. Right. So what you really want to find out, um, I think it's a little bit late for people with Laura right now, but for the next hurricane, and there will be more, um, find out ahead of time where you should be going because it may not be the same as years before. So the yeah. third thing I would... Yeah, yeah go ahead. The go third ahead. thing... Yeah, the third thing I would recommend is pack up an emergency go-to bag and make sure your COVID PPE is in there. Make sure you have, let's say, two weeks supply of gloves and masks and sanitizer and wipes. Um, and in that bag, as well as a couple changes of clothing and your NOAA radio and extra batteries, what you really should do is ha- have copies put in a waterproof um, bag or container of all your important documents, your house title, 
your all your insurance documents, all the emergency contacts for your doctors, your birth certificates, your marriage certificates, everything that could matter in your life, make a copy of it and put it all in this one folder. Because if your house is ruined, you it, it your life will be very hard to rebuild without that documentation. Right. Right. Well, that's great advice. That really is great advice. And how how are people uh, dealing in California with the with the fires? Well, uh, you know, it's interesting. My my son was at college there, and college was closed down. You know, and it's now online, so he came back east. I mean, I think it's really disruptive to the school system. It's you know for all ages. You know, be you know younger kids as well as college. You know, it's a very very disruptive. Um, uh, phenomenon for, but I think you know what makes the the fire so coupled with the pandemic so dreadful is that you know for a lot of people psychologically, you know it was important to go outside to get out of the house. You yeah. could socialize outside. You could get relief. Now you can't go outside because of the smoke. So it's just you know the the psychological and physical burden on people is tremendous. It's it's just you know it's. It's it's unprecedented, and it's horrible. Yeah, it really is. Well, they've you know the 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 fires in California have been have been uh, around for years, but they've gotten worse, haven't they? Yeah, the ones that are going now are amongst the uh, the top ten um, that have occurred. And you know, whatever you want to believe about climate change, without a doubt, it has made a difference in terms of um, the severity of the natural disasters we're seeing. I mean, the, the global warming has had an effect, and changing climate has. And what we're seeing, you know, with this latest fire in California, is that. It's not just affecting grass and shrubland and clear cuts. It's also affecting really old woods, like redwoods and whatnot, and right. the Joshua trees. And this is this is a new phenomenon, and um, it's really quite worrying on so many different levels. Yeah, I have friends in California who uh, a, a couple of who live near where the fires have occurred. Uh, and have had to, you know, evacuate their house. Um, I mean, nothing. They the, the house was still, you know, op- open. Uh, that it was still yeah. fine. It was still up, but they did have to evacuate. And it's kind of, a, you know, it's, it's a scary, scary thing. I've I've heard stories from the from people about it, and uh, yeah, it's pretty scary. Yeah, and I mean, just the whole question of shelters. I mean, just to give you an example, of something that that emergency managers have had to deal with. You know, in the old days, you could put maybe 20 people in a particular space. Now, due to social distancing, you can only put half that number of people. So where do the rest go? Um, People may be reluctant to drive across the states, you know, into another state. You know, uh, hotels may be closed. May You know, the hotels that people ordinarily would go to, let's say, with hurricanes, may not be operating at all or may not be operating at full capacity due to social distancing concerns and health concerns. And then sometimes, you know, even your friends and family who would welcome you under normal circumstances, if somebody in that family has been sick or has health-compromised issues, um, or, you know, is it really right to rely on them, um, you know, and, and, you know, if you do go to these places, are you willing to do the 14-day um, quarantine if you're going from a high-transmission place to a low-transmission place? So it just raises a lot of issues. Yeah, um, yeah. Which, but I, I do think people are figuring it out, and I certainly know in terms of firefighting efforts, um, people are learning from mistakes that might have been made back in, in April 
and that's helping them now figure out how they're going to deal with this right now. Yeah. Okay. Judith, hold on. Sure. Uh, Judith Matloff is with us. Uh, she is a safety consultant, a Columbia professor, and a seasoned war correspondent. Her book is called How to Drag a Body and Other Safety Tips That You uh, Hope to Never Need. And uh, if you have any questions, it's 312-981-7200. And we'll talk more about what it's like to be a safety consultant and uh, get some more uh, advice from the book. 312-981-7200 is the phone number. It's Nick DeGilio on 720 WGN. And uh, we'll do all that after the news. It's Nick DeGilio on 720 WGN. We're live in the Skyline studio uh, with you till 4. And at 4 a.m., uh, we head over to the uh, to the TV side of WGN, to Bradley Place, and get some early morning news from that great uh, team. And then uh, the legendary uh, Bob Surratt has your morning drive at 5. 312-981-7200 is the number if you would like to join us. Coming up uh, a little bit later on after midnight, in fact, Amy and Joel Bender are going to join us from Mindbenders Puzzles and Games. Really cool stuff. And uh, we'll talk about puzzles, talk about games, and about their uh, lovely shop in Whiting, Indiana, and how it's going. Regular Friday features coming up after 3. Uh, and our phone number is 312-981-7200. Judith Matloff is my uh, guest right now. She is a safety consultant, Columbia professor, a war correspondent, and her latest book is called How to Drag a Body and Other Safety Tips You Hope to Never Need. Uh, thank you for joining uh, us, uh, Judith. My pleasure. Okay. Well, it's, uh, describe uh, what a, sa- a safety consultant does. <laughs> Well, people call you up and they say, we're really freaked out because there's a lot of riots going on and people in our office have been hurt. What do we do uh, to strategize so we don't get hurt as well? Or they might call me up and say, we're really worried about uh, school shootings. How do we prepare for um, what, you know, what sort of training should kids have and teachers have? Or people might call me up and they say, you know, I'm really scared Next time I go to concert, that there can be an active shooter, you know, how do I learn how to staunch bleeding? Uh, one big, or, you know, they might call me up and they'll say, you know, I'm really worried about being hacked. I'm getting cyberbullied. Um, what kind of um, programs and apps and applications and whatnot uh, can I use to protect my communications and my privacy? Mm-hmm. So these are sort of um, queries I get. And the training that I actually give is really, really varied. For instance, the title of the book, How to Drag a Body, um, it's not about dragging a dead body, a corpse. It's actually about driving a live, dragging a live person to get them out of a very dangerous situation. Mm-hmm. So it could even be like a car accident, you know, get them out of a, you know, away from the, you know, incoming traffic right um and and so much of the training revolves about around one major principle which is just think about the worst case scenario and try to come up with a plan to mitigate it or prevent it and as counterintuitive as it may seem if you actually contemplate the worst consequences of any given situation and then you plan for it you're actually going to feel more in control and calmer 
So a lot of this is just getting into a mindset where you try to anticipate something that might happen and then think about how you can stave it off. Oh, okay. That's interesting. Um, you know, let's let's talk a little bit about this. How how prepared do you think the average person is to act in an emergency? Zero. Zero. Yeah, I think most people have not taken emergency first aid since let's say they were in high school because they had to get their, you know, high school <laughs> diploma or, you know, when they were lifeguards or they were camp counselors. Um, but, you know, it, when you think about it, if you know how to staunch bleeding, if you know how to apply pressure and you know how to tie a tourniquet, you can actually save lives in a myriad series of um, circumstances. Just to give an example, when the Boston Marathon bombing occurred, right. as well as that massacre in Las Vegas, it takes a while for medics to arrive in any given situation. Yeah. And minutes and seconds count. And so bystanders that knew emergency first aid were able to save quite a few lives until the first responders could come. Yeah. So that's just one example. Um, you know, but it really is empowering if you know how to react in a situation. For instance, here's another example I'll give you. Whenever there's a hurricane, people rush out to the hardware store and they start taping their windows in, a, in an X pattern. Yeah. That's actually the worst thing you can do. Um, it's not a good preparation. Um, it's not well thought out because you're more likely to get giant shards of glass crashing through. It doesn't secure the window. So if you actually, if you just left the window alone, it would just break into very small pieces, and then you wouldn't run so many risks of damage and destruction and injury. Um, another thing I think I would imagine that most people don't have a very good communications um, system set up with the people who matter to them most. I mean, I've, I've been in so many situations, even with war correspondents, where, you know, somebody gets injured and everybody's running around and saying, well, well, how do we contact their mother? Like, who's their editor? And there's no communication system in place. And so that's the kind of thing where I think your average American by no fault of their own just doesn't think about it. Yeah. And, you know, my husband and I, because we were foreign correspondents working in crisis situations, we always have an emergency medical kit in the house. We always have about a month's supply of cash. We always have tons of batteries. Everything's all charged up. And we also have a, a, a month's supply of food and water. And we just do that just as a matter of form because you just never know. And so actually when COVID hit, we live in New York City, which for quite a long while was the global center of the pandemic. Yeah. We were actually really prepared. But it was really weird because my son was in California at college. My husband was on a business trip in Europe, and I was in upstate New York at a writer's residency. So when the worst of the pandemic hit and everybody was rushing around and emptying the shelves, trying to find gloves and masks and toilet paper and, you know, canned beans, we, we didn't have to worry because we already had all that stuff in the basement, including N95 masks. So by the time we all got back to New York and it was mid-March and, you know, it was like pandemonium here in New York, as disturbing as the pandemic was, at least we knew we were prepared. And so it caused a, you know, it made us feel a lot calmer in the situation. Yeah. Well, and that, so in general, I mean, the message here is that you should, you know, be prepared for any uh, emergency and that paid off for you. Yeah. 
Yeah, and don't go overboard. Like, don't start soaring, you know, storing 20 years of sorghum or building a bunker in your backyard or, you know, buying a piece of land that has, like, its own water supply and, you know, wind turbines. I don't don't think we need to go to those levels quite yet, maybe in 50 years. But, you know, just being... Just look at, you know, for instance, I live in a hurricane zone. My city was hit very poorly by Sandy. Yeah. So, you know, just tonight my husband and I were speaking, well, as this hurricane makes its way up the East Coast, what are we going to do to, to secure the house? Yeah. Just to be prepared. You know, yeah. it's probably not going to hit us, but, you know, let's say a tornado, a freak tornado hit. So, you know, just, just think about what are the odds that something might hit. And just always have some emergency supplies in the house because you just never know. I mean, who anticipated this pandemic? You just don't know. Yeah. So what's your take on doomsday preppers? Uh, You don't have to go that far. (laughs) I don't think we're at end of days quite yet. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. And I think that creates undue panic. Because it's such apocalyptic thinking, I don't. I don't want people to go there. I. I just suggest that people um, think about what might be what I would call reasonable risks, uh, reasonable scenarios, and prepare calmly for those just in case. But I think to go overboard and expect an absolutely calamitous situation where the world comes to an end, I don't think we need to go there, and I don't think that's healthy. We talked with a, a, a journalist who spent some time in a, a, a doomsday preppers, like uh, a whole group of them, uh, and uh, said that they, they, they seem, you know, he expected them to be like these crazy over-the-top kind of weirdos who were just, you know, conspiracy theorists and stuff like that. But they, he said that for the most part, they, they were all, you know, pretty normal and reasonable people. Uh, and he wrote a whole book about it. I would love to read that book. I, I was just um, hearing about it. I can't wait to get my hands on that book. Yeah, it's called it's called um, it's called yeah. it's called Bunker. So it's an it's right. An, it's, I know. I, I yeah. I can't wait to read it. But you know, the thing about prepping and these folks sound reasonable. Then is that um, I think on a certain level we all should be preppers. It, we should all be as self sufficient as we can without going overboard, like you know, going out and hunting squirrels in New York City. You know, for your own food <laughs> right, supply. right. You know, I, I mean, again, but I think if you can be as self sufficient as possible and know how to do things like first aid, like fixing your car, like knowing how to prep your house in case um, there, you know, there might be a hurricane coming. Yeah. These sort of things are going to give you a, ba- a better, you know, a greater sense of mastery and, again, a, a, better, a, a greater sense of confidence right. about what might hit you. Yeah, absolutely. Okay, uh, Judith, thank you. Hold on a second, okay? Sure. Uh, Judith Matloff is with us, uh, safety consultant, Columbia professor, war correspondent, and the, and the author of uh, 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 actually like four books, but the latest is called How to Drag a Body and Other Safety Tips You uh, Hope to Never Need. If you have a question, uh, safety concern, or need some advice, 312-981-7200. 312-981-7200. Nick DiGilio and WGN. Nick DiGilio here on 720 WGN, and uh, we're live in the Skyline studio here until 4 o'clock. Coming up after midnight, Amy and Joel Bender are going to join us. They run Mindbenders, Puzzles and Games in Whiting, Indiana. Uh, uh, We're going to talk with them about uh, 
some puzzles, games, things like that. All the regular Friday features are coming up. 312-981-7200 is the phone number, and the news is next from the Northwestern Medicine Newsroom. My guest right now is Judith Matloff, uh, safety consultant, Columbia professor, war correspondent, and author. Um, And she's uh, talking about uh, how to stay safe and giving us some advice in in these current situations. Hello, Judith. Hi. Hi. Um, You know, one of the things that that a lot of people are concerned about, which you mentioned a little bit earlier on, but maybe you can get a little more specific in terms of uh, pointers and tips. Uh, How do you keep yourself safe from these online hacks? I mean, this is just... You know, it's all over the place. It happens all the time, and uh, we we have a we have a computer expert who comes on and and, and tells us about um, you know these the, how rampant it is. So how do you how do you keep ahead of it? How do you you know defend yourself against it? Yeah, um, it's such a good question because it affects all of us. The, your your best line of defense is a super strong password and two step verification. <laughs> it sounds so simple, but that is really such a such a strong way to protect yourself. And you've got to you've got to make sure you don't duplicate passwords and that you update them periodically. And you know, so many of us have so many accounts, and it's really hard to keep track of passwords, and we tend to duplicate them. So what you could do is just get something called a password manager that manages the passwords for you, and all you need is one key to get in. And then, you know, you just have to remember that one password, and then it, it takes care of everything else for you. That's one. The second thing is really, you know, Google yourself and see how much of your personal and private information is available online and it really is shocking how much it is you know your date of birth your mother's maiden name the names of your kids your address um all sorts of information that you really don't want shared yeah. with somebody who's trying to break in and there's something called deleteme.com it's through an um a, a business called Abine, and it costs about 125 bucks a year, and it really is worth it. What they do is they scrub you from public records, things like the yellow pages, the white pages. So if somebody is trying to get that information about you, um, they won't be able to. Another thing that I think is really important is to really think about how much you really need to be online. We all live on our phones, but um, every moment you're online, you're vulnerable to somebody hacking in. So if there's any way that you can change your lifestyle just to spend less time signed in, try to plug out as much as you can, I think that's really, really helpful. Those are just some very basic tips. But mm-hmm. again, um, you know, there's so much that I could go into. I fill two whole chapters with it. Um, and there are more sophisticated tools that one could use. But those are really, you know, the most important ones, as well as looking out for phishing expeditions, you know, getting strange emails from people and then opening them. You know, if you, if you get an email from anybody who you don't know or, or don't re- recognize just don't open it yeah that's 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 great advice and i do that all the time if i get a, a strange email i just don't i don't even click and if you do get an email uh and there's a link uh in that email don't click on it absolutely um, yeah yeah so that's that's uh that's just your basic sort of uh, uh sort of but you got two chapters on that in the book yeah well yeah that and also strategies of if you if you know if you're if you're a victim of what's called doxing, when people get hold of your private information and without your permission post it, and this particularly happens to women, women tend to be more harassed online than men. 
And it's very, very dangerous. I mean, certainly for journalists, so many women that I know have had their addresses posted online by hostile parties and people have actually gone to their apartments or they've shown lasers into their windows and harassed them and thrown rocks. And, you know, it's very, very frightening. And, um, you know, so I have a whole section on that. And, I mean, there are just so many tools and apps and, um, you know, basically fixes that you can, you can download or you can use to protect your communications. It really depends on how sensitive your communications are and your data. Obviously, for journalists, it's, it's absolutely critical. People want our information. They want to know who we're communicating with. And if we're doing investigations, we obviously want to keep that information secret and our sources secret. So for us, it's of paramount importance that yeah. we have airtight, encrypted communications. Um, the average citizen, you know, people in business, obviously, encryption is very important. And then, again, you know, like I said before, don't go overboard. Just do a risk assessment. What are you really in danger of? Who is likely to hurt you? And then work backwards from there and try to figure out what tools are best to protect yourself. But be aware of what's out there that you can use. Okay. Uh, Judith Matloff is with us. Her latest book is called How to Drag a Body and Other Safety Tips You Hope to Never Need. 312-981-7200 is the the phone number. Um, and what was that? I'm sorry. What was that website again that where you can go and have the, the your yeah, information erased? Yeah, it's called DeleteMe.com, and the, the company is Abine A B I N E. And it yeah, again, it's not a free service. You have yeah. to pay. I think at the moment it's like 125 dollars a year. But I I really recommend it. I think it's it's a great way to scrub your private information from yeah. public domains. Um, you know, and then you know, again in the book, I go into more sophisticated communications, um, people who are afraid of surveillance, uh, uh, they might want to use the signal messaging system. That's much safer than something like um, WhatsApp, for instance, because it's open source and it's not owned by a company that may be storing your personal data. So again, you know, it, it really depends on how much you're worried about privacy and the information, the data that you have in, you know, that you're working with. Yeah. Okay. Uh, now, let me ask you, Judith, how does, how does one get a hold of you if they wanted to be, to get a hold of you as a safety consultant? Um, you would go to my website, which is judithmatloff.com. So it's J-U-D-I-T-H-M-A-T-L-O-F-F.com. JudithMatloff.com if people are, mm-hmm. uh, are interested and in, in maybe yeah. need some consulting uh, done that. Um, you know, um, when, when you were covering all the – because you had mentioned that your, your husband was also, is, was also a war correspondent. Well, he was a normal correspondent, he, but, you know, because we were based abroad, he ended up in some pretty sketchy situations yeah. also. You know, that's the problem, like, when you live in a place like South Africa, you're, you know, somebody's going to carjack you at some point, you know, or you're going to, like, you know, find yourself in the middle of factional fighting in the middle of the street. Yeah. How did the rest of your family and, and loved ones uh, feel about you going into these sort of war zones and, you know, <laughs> and, and kind of scary situations? Well, fortunately, in those days, we didn't have cell phones, so my mother wasn't calling me every hour or, or texting me. <laughs> so, yeah, like, yeah. When I wrote my memoir, she was horrified. She was Uh-oh. like, I really trusted you, and like, you did some really dumb things. <laughs> and uh, so she, but, you know, she found out after the fact, so that was fine. <laughs> and we didn't, you know, we didn't have children then. Um, when my son was little and I would be flying off to a place like Nepal where there was, you know, fighting or Albania, I just, 
you know, declined to give him details about what mommy was doing, just mommy was going on a business trip, and, you know, I'd send him postcards of a camel or something. You know? <laughs> but, uh, but, you know, he found out later, too, and his reaction was a little bit like my mother's, which is like, what? You didn't tell me? That's, but his reaction was, that's so cool. <laughs> <laughs> well, did, did you and your husband travel together and cover some things together? Yeah, what happened was um, we met very romantically when we were living in Johannesburg. And since we both covered the entire continent of Africa, one of us, usually me, was on the road. So, you know, we'd be like, hey, like, let's meet in Ethiopia in Addis Ababa next month. And then, you know, we'd spend the month like traveling around East Africa or like we had another trip. I was in West Africa forever and he flew out to meet me and we covered some stories. And uh, I don't think he joined me in Mali, but we were in Ivory Coast in Ghana. Then we went to Sierra Leone. But yeah, and, and that's a place where we both ended up covering the war together there. Yeah. And so, you know, it was kind of romantic. It's like, hey, honey, you know, can you fly 3,000 miles and meet me somewhere? And it's going to be very dangerous, but very romantic. <laughs> that's pretty unique. Boy, that's a lot of travel, Judith. You've been to so many places. Yeah, I mean, my penultimate book took me, which was about mountains and conflict, took me eight years to research and 72,000 miles of travel. Wow. So, uh, yeah, that was one reason why I was very happy to write this one, because I didn't have to go anywhere. Right, except, right, right. You know, to, you know, to my home office right. or to the university, right. like 10 blocks away. Wow, that's great. Judith, uh, it was fascinating to talk to you. Such great stuff and great advice. Uh, the book is called How to Drag a Body and Other Safety Tips you hope to never need and uh judithmatloff.com is the website that you can check out it was a real pleasure having you on the show judith you have a great night thank you it was terrific to talk and everybody stay safe okay thank you judith uh judith matloff uh safety consultant columbia professor and seasoned war correspondent wow wow what a life she's leading that's amazing uh, and again, the book is called How to Drag a Body and Other Safety Tips You Never uh, Hope to Never Need, Survival Tricks for Hacking, Hurricanes, and Hazards Life Might Throw at You. Uh, available now. And you can check out, uh, check out Judith Matloff, M-A-T-L-O-F-F, JudithMatloff.com for more information. Hey, uh, coming up after uh, midnight, Amy and Joel Bender are going to join us from Mindbenders, Puzzles and Games in Whiting, Indiana. Always a lot of fun to talk to them. It's Nick DeGilio here on 720 WGN. We're live in the Skyline studio here until 4 o'clock, um, and it is Friday. And uh, on Friday, we always have our regular Friday features, straight out of context. Nick D. Show Spies, You Big Dummy, and Fly Jams Friday. That's coming up after 3 o'clock. Uh, we got uh, Carson Comedy Classic. Johnny Carson Show is on Antenna TV, and you can watch it every night. And we play uh, a comedy clip from the Johnny Carson Show. Sometimes it's a sketch or an interview. Sometimes it's stand-up. And we got some stand-up from Ray Romano, and it's his very first appearance 
on The Tonight Show. We're going back to 1991 for Ray Romano's very first appearance on The Tonight Show. Uh, we are also going to talk about uh, a California man who uses cans of Bud Light to put out a wildfire. Um, and uh, crazy ways people have saved their own lives. And uh, a, a YouTuber spent four years and $9,000 creating a giant Coca-Cola and baking soda explosion. <laughs> That's a lot of dedication right there. Right now, uh, we would like to welcome back to the show Amy and Joel Bender. They run uh, Mindbenders Puzzles and Games in Whiting, Indiana. You can check out mindbenders.biz uh, for their website and more information. Um, and we uh, have uh, had a great time talking with them the last time. Amy, Joel, hi. Good morning. Hi. Oh, so good evening. I don't know. After midnight, I don't know if it's supposed to be either or. <laughs> <laughs> it's just it's just late. That's that's all there is. Yeah, it's just late. Um, how did the, how did you how did you start Mindbenders? Well, we started it um, for actually just finished four years completely. Uh, we actually my I was working for a beer company and it got taken over. Um, our last name is Bender, so you know Mindbenders Puzzles and Games came about and. Uh, we actually had went out and bought a book, uh, Opening a Business for Dummies. Fit me perfectly. And uh, sure enough, you know, a month after reading it, you know, me and my wife put together a business plan, went to the city. They they enjoy, they loved it. They said, hey, wish you wished us luck. And uh, here we are today, you know. Well, congratulations. We go. <laughs> congratulations. So you're located at 1438 119th Street in Whiting, Indiana. Correct. Yeah. yeah. And uh, you, you said you're, you're approaching four years, or you've been there four years? We, um, uh, August 17th was four years for us, four successful years. Uh, it's been a crazy time, but nothing more crazier than this year, though. Yeah, <laughs> no, I know, I know. The last time we had you on was around, I believe it was around March when the the shutdowns just started. Right. When yeah. we, that's when we were just, you know, told to lock our doors. We were selling through our window, curbside right. pickup. Curbside with, pickup, all a, that. Without a curb, we had... We had construction going on, so we had no sidewalks, no curbs. Oh. Streets are being torn up, but we, you know, they they expedited it, and it's done. We are have fresh sidewalks in. It's a nice walkable town now. It's awesome. Oh. It was like dirt side pickup. <laughs> <laughs> um, and uh, so, was it? Did 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 you did you have some good business during that time? Was it? Did people help Follow. you out? Puzzles were on fire. Jigsaw puzzles. Yeah. You know, we couldn't keep them in stock. You know, we learned a couple of lessons that we needed to get more companies in, and now we are fully loaded. Um, and, it, and it started a trend. Everybody's still jigsaw puzzling. You know, people are still doing curbside pickup because, you know, they, they're still still not coming in the store as much as they were. Yeah. But, you know, we're, we, we we respect that. We want them to be safe, you know. Our stores, you know, we're actually hand sanitizer everywhere. We yep. wipe it down with Clorox wipes, everything that the people touch. So it's been a change of change the way we do business because we're a touchy feely, you know, give you that experience store. Yeah, but you know, it's, it, things have changed. But you know, things, you know, edu- we have a lot of educational stuff too. So people were coming in because people were at homeschooling and stuff. Mm-hmm. And uh, so, tell me a little bit about. Uh how you got into this? Were you always, uh, uh, Amy Joel, were you always like into puzzles and into games and things like that? Oh, yeah. If you came to one of our friends or family gatherings, um, you are not getting away from playing a game. (laughs) (laughs) Even grandma plays in her 90s. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, you know what, and it's funny, too, because it's easy to sit around the room and, you know, zone out in small conversations or watch TV. 
Um, but when you see people having fun and they force you into it, the next thing you know, that person, too, is just right in there with everybody. Um, sometimes people just need a little push and encouragement. Yeah, sure, and then you're making a memory, and that's something, you're, you know, you're not going to get that anywhere else. You know, you've got that memory of playing M games with your family, and it's yeah. just something that you're going to know forever. Yeah. Well, I mean, it's, it's um, you know, it's, I, I uh, you know, ha- hanging out socially with a whole bunch of people, inevitably we end up playing games. It's, 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 it's just fun. I mean, it's a great way to, to, to stay together. It's a great way to communicate, and it's just fun in general. Sure, it's great. You know what? And that's the thing. I will never win a game because, if there's something like we're playing Family Feud, if it's something that could be funnily said, I'm gonna I'm gonna say the funny thing and get the strike. You know, yeah, it's all about having a good time. Yeah, exactly. Um, <laughs> if you want to join us, if you have a favorite game or you have a question, uh, if you're a, if you're a puzzler, if you're doing some puzzles, I know a lot of people are still you know stuck inside, and uh, that's why the puzzles were flying off the shelf, guys, uh, was because of of you know people are just sitting inside and don't necessarily want to watch TV all day. Uh, do a little challenge and have a little. Uh, have a little puzzle, and we were talking about. I was people were sending us pictures of some of the puzzles that they were doing, and we had an incredible response from from listeners um, who were inside just doing puzzles. And I and I you you saw that in, in terms of you know how many puzzles you sold. Oh, I, tons! I'll tell you what. You know, when we were on our when you're on your show, and there was nowhere to find puzzles in Chicago. It was pretty funny that like that week we had people from Logan Square and Evanston. Oh, really? And, like, a truck driver said he would turn. He just turned into the station one day, and uh, he heard us. He was coming from Naperville, and he's like, "Oh, he didn't make it out here until like you know, I, I believe it was like end of July." He's like, oh, "I heard you on the show, and uh-uh. you guys, you know, it was a real fun show to listen to." So we were, we were happy, and he came in, you know, for four jigsaw puzzles. That's great. <laughs> That's really, really great. Okay, we got to talk about some more, some more specific games and puzzles and things like that. Uh, Amy yeah. and Joel Bender are here. Uh, hold on. And uh, we'll take a break here. Uh, Mindbenders Puzzles and Games is in Whiting, Indiana. You can check out mindbenders.biz. Uh, and they got a really great website and, and so many fun things, too. Uh, logic challenge games, brain games, brain teaser puzzles, uh, all kinds of really cool stuff. And if you're a game person, you like playing games, and you like to do the puzzles and uh, have your brain uh, challenged, uh, give us a call. If you have a uh, suggestion for a game or you want to ask Amy or Joel a question, uh, we're here, 312-981-7200, and that is the Team Hochberg phone line, 312-981-7200. More with Amy and Joel from Mindbenders Pub. Nick DeGilio on 720 WGN, and uh, we are live in the Skyline Studio, downtown Chicago, here until 4 o'clock, as we are every weekday morning, 11 p.m. to 4 a.m. My guests, Amy and Joel Bender, uh, from Mindbenders Puzzles and Games in Whiting, Indiana. You can check out mindbenders.biz. They've got games and puzzles and all kinds of really cool stuff, and if you are a gamer, if you like to play games, if you do puzzles and things like that, and if you have... Uh, suggestion for some pretty cool games or you just want to ask a question or jump in on the conversation, we would love to hear from you. Phone lines are open. 312-981-7200. 312-981-7200. Uh, and uh, say hello again to Amy and Joel. Hello. 
We're Hi. back. <laughs> right. All right. Um, Mindbenders, puzzles, and games in uh, Whiting, Indiana. Are are you still? Uh, you know, you said you you said the puzzles are uh, kind of flying off out, out the door. Still, is there still a demand for these brain games and puzzles? Despite oh the fact yeah, that this, for, for, yeah, for sure. The brain games. There's there's new brain games that come out every year. Even though the you know the classic ones that we have do very well. Um, we got probably five or six new ones in this year, but we know. We expanded a little bit. You know, we do plastic, the, the models where you, you glue them and you paint them and stuff like that. Yeah, yeah. But we expanded on some metal puzzles. They're like sheets of metal, but you, you, you get them out with some needle noise players, and you, you build a car or a plane or a train with them. They're really amazing. They're, you need some really good patience and some really good eyesight to do them, but yeah. they're really cool. Oh, that sounds and, great. And we also got some, like, they're, they're like bridge wood, and you cut out the pieces out of the wood. And these, are, these are totally adult puzzles. Um, you make a car, and the whole car, the shocks work. You build the engine block, and it's, you know there's no glue. It's all put together with dolphins, and as the car moves, it's the engines, the pistons moving. It's it, you know everything on it is, is gears. It's it's totally cool. There's a clock. There's a safe. So we you know we keep finding new product to bring in. It's going to challenge your mind and keep you busy. And yeah, and people really really appreciate you know. To eight hours it takes to do that, they kind of forget about everything else in the world that's going on. Yeah, and, you know, yeah. That you need that break from. That's really cool. Three one two nine eight one seven two hundred is the phone number. Here's Larry on WGN. Go ahead, Larry. Hey, I got a question. I like doing Sudoku, but I can only do the easier, the moderate ones. Is there a secret to how you get finish a harder one where you actually have no more numbers you can put in? Is there a secret to doing it? I, you know what? There, you know, I, I don't know a secret to doing Sudoku. I, I, I can also do the easy ones when they get a little bit tougher. You know, they I just throw in the. I can't anymore. Yeah, we actually have one. We have a color cube Sudoku where it's it's every like there's ten different colors and you, or nine different colors and you have to get all nine colors in each row going the other way. And I I, I have a trouble with that. Wow. <laughs> Wow. Yeah, it's just so frustrating. I can never finish the harder ones. Yeah. <laughs> so. well. All right. All right, Larry. Good luck right, with that. Thanks. Yep. Bye. Yeah. yeah, Sudoku. I'm not good at that. Not, not yeah, not good. Word word search I'm pretty good at. It. As long as yeah. it's like not more than four or five letters. Yeah. There you go. The word search. Uh, we, we do want to talk about some specific games and uh, and puzzles. What are uh, what are the, you said you got some new ones in? Uh, what are, what are some of the new games that you that you would recommend? You guys would recommend. So we just we just um, we did it like a, a Zoom with uh, Astra, which is the American Toy Store um, Association. Oh, okay. They have a yeah. They have a brand new game out. It was one's to, uh, Teen Toy of the Year. It's Teen Game. It's called Telestrations Upside Drawn. Telestrations so is, Upside so, Drawn. Yeah. So what happens is you know one person's holding a pen and they're only allowed to go up and down. While the other person moves the paper or the di- the diagram, and they're trying to draw, you're trying to draw. So you're telling them up or down, and you're trying to draw a boat. And while the person's going up and down with the pen, has to guess. Their team has to guess what you're actually drawing. <laughs> <laughs> it's really cool. It's you know, it's a little. It's a. It got me at first. I'm drawing. I'm, I had to do a sailboat, and I'm doing the sailboat upside down to him. Where it's right side up to me, and I'm like, oh, wait a second. Yeah. I wonder why he's not getting it. <laughs> that sounds great. That sounds really cool. Yeah, that one just went, that one just won to one of the toys of the year, you know, for game of the year. I mean, there's there's so many different categories. Um, there's a science uh, for the for the year, you know. They, they there's a couple of ones out for that. Um, there's a cyborg hand where you have to build the cyborg, and it actually 
your hand fits in it. It's like working with hydraulics, and you know you can use water or air. And it's an extension of your hand, and it's it's really cool. It's all kinds of engineering on it. And it seems to be pretty popular with the kids with the robots and everything. But you know, I, I can't wait to put it together myself. So you, 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 <laughs> it's, it's a giant hand. It's like five times as big as your yeah, hand. Right. <laughs> you know how you always need an extra hand around the house. There yeah. you go. <laughs> and, and you could you build a cyborg out of it. Yeah, it's a cyborg hand. It's called. It functions. The little fingers move, and everything you can grip and pick things up and turn it. Yeah, but it's a build-your-own project. <laughs> wow. All right. That sounds pretty cool. Uh, 312-981-7200 if you want to join us. Amy and Joel Bender, Mind Benders Puzzles and Games in Whiting, Indiana. They are open for business. What are your hours? We are 10 o'clock, 1030 to 630, Monday through Friday, and 10 o'clock to 5 o'clock on Saturdays. And Sunday is our day of rest, our, Sunday, our day to do our kayaking or whatever we're doing. Yeah. We, call, we call it Excursion Sunday. <laughs> there it to is. recharge. <laughs> Just to recharge and get back. Um, and so so you get you get new stuff in all the time? Oh, constantly getting new stuff in. You know, we have a core of companies that, you know, they come out with new games every year. Um, they, we usually get the game in. You know, we usually go to the shows, but this year was a little bit different. We yeah. had to get the games in. We love to test everything we bring in because, you know, if I love it, I'm going to be able to sell it. it, it it's as simple as that. If, if I'm not too proud of it or not, too, you know, happy with it, I'm not having fun with it, and I, it's hard to sell to a customer not, you know, feeling that good yeah. about a game. Yeah, 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 yeah. So you guys, you see, you spend a lot of time with puzzles and games then, uh, Amy. You, you guys play a lot of games? Yeah, and that doesn't include all the um Brain teasers and tricks that Joel plays on me. Uh-huh. <laughs> Always tricking me, things up his sleeve. But, yeah, we do, actually. So um, whenever we get something new in, we sit down, we play it, and that goes for anything from toddler games. <laughs> yeah. So we did play Pete the Cat Button games. i got to build up her confidence. <laughs> yeah. And then we go, you know, we play thinker games. I mean, it's we, we really do love all ranges of them, whether it's a thinker game and it's a quiet game. Or it's a wild and loud party game. Um, we really do play all of them and enjoy all of them. Yeah. The newest one we've been playing with our family is it's a break in the safe. So it's a cooperation game where all four players are trying to break in the safe by using tools like gloves and the headset, and you're passing them back and forth to each other and collecting money, and it and it goes faster and faster. It's telling you to switch pieces, and it. <laughs> It kind of drives you nuts, and then you says you're halfway there, and then you're like, oh. oh. <laughs> now what's what's that? Now what's the, what's that? What's that called again? It's called uh, breaking. The, it's a heist. It's a heist game. It's called. It, it, you know, you're trying to break in the safe. Yeah. And uh, but, where, where's that from? That one is from. Um, I forgot what I'm company. I'm not sure which company that is. I do know. Oh, uh, University Games. <laughs> oh, University Games. Okay. How many? Ga- I mean, there there are a lot of game companies out there. I would imagine. Right? Oh yeah, there's all kinds of game companies. We try to stay the ones that stay in the specialty store. You know, the people that are going. You know, the ones that are going to Walmart and stuff like that. You know, if they see in the Walmart, it's, it's for us. It's not going to do it because they're going to get twenty twenty truckloads at a time and and beat me on price by a couple of bucks and you know. In this, in this day and world, you want to make sure you want to stay competitive. You know, we're pretty close with the Amazon prices of the world. Yeah. But, you know, some of the, the mainstream games, we're just not going to, you know, carry them because we can't beat on that price on them. Yeah. Do you have, when, when people uh, uh, come into the store, do you recommend games to them or, or puzzles and things? Oh, yeah. We're personal service. So if you, you know, you, you come in here and you tell me, you know, you, you tell me you got a set, you know, a six year old girl and, you ask about her. Does she? Does she have friends? You know, she has, does. She play with her friends a lot. 
does she play with her family? How old are her kids in the, you know, in the family? So you're trying to get a game that everybody can play. Yeah. You know, and then you try to merge and match the personality. Uh, does she like princesses? Does she like candy? Does she, you know, try to get something that she likes and then she's going to enjoy playing. We got an ice cream game that, you know, they're logic thinking games and parents really like games that engage and make you think. And it's, yeah. it's, it's, it's you know, we just see a smile on a kid's face when they come in and they get to pick out the only thing, you know, they want. And then you get you show it to them, and then they you know they really like it because then you know they they know they're taking it home. It's a good quality game. Yeah, that's that's really uh, that's really fun, and it brings the family together too, which is always cool. Right. So uh, you know, I, I think I mentioned this to you uh, the last time you were on, but uh, I, I I had a card game when I was a kid that we would play, and I loved, um, and it was called Authors. And um, it was a really fun card game, and not only is it a fun card game, but but uh, I learned uh, who wrote what books and stuff at a very young age. Like I knew, I knew, you know, I knew the names of books that Nathaniel Hawthorne wrote. I knew the names of books that Robert Louis Stevenson wrote, and this was like, you know, I knew this because I played that game. And there right. are there are a lot of uh, uh, games where you can learn things, correct? Sure, sure. When you're playing Risk, you you know, you're looking at Risk, you got. You're going to know where all the, all your countries and continents are. Um, when we first started uh, Mindbenders, we had a, a game wall of all the old classic games, Monopoly and Sorry. And we went out to like a, a couple thrift stores and bought some boards. And there's one board we have on our wall. I don't know what it is, but I know what it is now. It's called Masterpiece. I don't know if you ever heard of the oh, game. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. I never heard of that game before in my life. And people come in and say, oh, that was the greatest game. Oh, I loved that game when I was, was a kid. It was all artists from the Chicago Art Museum. Oh, I love it. Oh, you, you try yeah. to be the millionaire. Yeah, And then yeah. your sister tells you the forgery. And, oh, you get all pissed yeah, off. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> yeah, no, that, I love that. I played, man, I played that game a lot when I was a kid. That was a cool I, game. I never heard of it. And it's, it's sitting right on my wall. And people are like, what is that game? Oh, it's very <laughs> cool. Like, Okay, I get to play it, 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 but I've never played it. <laughs> it's great. It's a it's a fun game. Amy, Joel, hang on, okay? Yeah. Okay. All right. Amy and Joel Bender, Mindbenders Puzzles and Games in Whiting, Indiana. Check out mindbenders.biz. Hey, if you got a question or a comment or if you have a favorite game or puzzle that you would like to recommend uh, or ask a question, uh, we're having some fun here talking about puzzles and games from Mindbenders Puzzles and Games. 312-981-7200. 312-981-7200. More um, coming up right here on 720 WGN, and that'll be after the news. It's Nick DeGilio on 720 WGN. Live in the Skyline Studio, 18 stories above beautiful downtown Chicago. We are here until 4, uh, keeping you company, keeping you informed, keeping you entertained. Uh, that's what we're doing. And we love to hear from you at 312-981-7200. Uh, coming up on the show, uh, classic Johnny Carson. Johnny Carson show you can watch every night on Antenna TV. And we always feature some comedy from the Johnny Carson show at 2.30 every uh, weekday morning. Uh, sometimes we play sketches or interviews and uh, stand up, and uh, we got some stand up here. Ray Romano's very first appearance. We're going to play back Ray Romano's very first appearance on the Tonight Show from 1991, and uh, the regular Friday features straight out of context. That's where you listen to this station 24 seven. And whenever anybody says anything that sounds a little dirty and out of context, uh, jot down the date, the time, who said it, and send it to Nick D Show at Gmail dot com. We also have Nick D Show spies. 
That's when you listen to this station 24-7. Whenever anybody mentions me or the show in any capacity, we want to know about it. You become a spy. Again, jot down the date, the time, who said it, and send it to nickdshow at gmail.com. We got You Big Dummy. You Big Dummy is where we read real news stories of real dumb people doing real dumb stuff. And then we vote on who's the dummy of the week. Tom votes, I vote. And then the first person through on the phones at 312-981-7200 is our third vote. And then Fly Jams Friday. We get a visit from Luscious Hushes every week. And he plays the Fly Jams. If you've got uh, if you've got some uh, requests or anything like that for uh, for some Fly Jams or some R&B or some soul, uh, it's 312-981-7200. Right now, we are happy to be joined by Amy and Joel Bender. They uh, have Mindbenders Puzzles and Games, a store in Whiting, Indiana. You can check out mindbenders.biz. They specialize in, like, logic-challenging games, brain games, brain teasers, puzzles, and uh, and a lot more. And uh, let's say uh, hello again to Amy and Joel. Hello. Hello. Hey. I'm in. All right. <laughs> you guys are here again. Um what are uh, what are some of the what are the, some of the more popular games that are selling right now? Some of the more popular games are, are the most of the educational stuff right now. You know, we have bingo that teaches sight words or how to count or how to add. You know, people are really trying to do that homeschooling where you know we got a comprehension games. Yeah, we, we got you know math and your ABCs and inventions and around you know you know around the USA and art and stuff like that. It seems to be you know the homeschooling right now is is. Because everybody's going back to school, kind of, but yeah, you know, they're still they're still at home, and you know, it's you, it's a kind of a trick when you can get them to play a game that you're actually learning from. You know, like I said, you know, we know the risk and what that teaches you, but actually, these games will actually teach you, you know, your colors, your ABCs on the younger side, and then comprehension and some older math stuff on the older side. You know, engineering and science is always good here. Yeah, <laughs> so that's those are the big sellers right now. I would say too. It's um, so also those Euro and table games, oh, yeah. the gamers games. Mm. Um, so we have not played every one of those. There are a ton of them out there, um, but those are your games, the more modern games. Like when we sat down, we played Monopoly and Life, and those took hours to play. That's how these are today. Yeah, um, like Settlers of Catan. There's, I think, there's 25 million sold, and Ticket to Ride is 10 million sold, and Carcassonne is up there. I mean, these are games that. You know, they've been around for maybe 10, some of them 10 years, some of them five years, but they're just, you know, they might take you 20 minutes to learn how to play, but the replayability, you know, resource management, and we even have one called Pandemic where everybody's working together to, everybody has to help out to get out of the pandemic. It's, it's you know, just, yeah, you know, just games, you know, you're, like I said, you're getting back to socialization and talking and, you know, we're having fun with your friends. Yeah. Now, now, Tom was going a little bit nuts when you were mentioning a couple of the titles of these games. Tom, what, what, yeah, do you, what which ones did you? Uh... <laughs> uh, Settlers of Catan, all the time. I didn't get a lot of dates uh, early on in high school, so we spent a lot of time playing Settlers of Catan. <laughs> We've talked about this before. Uh, it's, it's the greatest game ever made. It's the single greatest game ever made. It's better than Monopoly, Risk, anything you can think of. It's the single most fun game. Are you still playing that game a lot today? Yeah. <laughs> well, yeah, now, now that I'm engaged, I'm not trying to, you know, court any females, so I'm just playing Settlers of Catan. You let her play. Yeah. You let her win. Now, uh, yeah. here's the question, then. You, it's Settlers of Catan like Chris Catan? No. Uh, <laughs> what's the uh, What's the object of the game? What, how do you play um, it? So basically, you're just trying to. You're literally trying to settle an island of sorts. It's um, it's like an economics game. It's uh, it's very much like Risk, but there's no battles. You're just like fighting over sheep and bricks. 
<laughs> right. It's, that's the real. That's the real battle of settlers it's of Catan. Oh. <laughs> wow, and it's a very popular game. Okay, all right. Cool. Oh yeah, that that whole category is is on fire too. Because people are there's there's people that are gamers games that the young college kids that all they're all sitting around now. Okay, what can we do? You know, or, you know the bars were you know for a while the bars were all closed. So yeah. hey, let's let's sit inside. Let's grab a game. I have a. I have a uh, young couple that comes in probably every other week to get a new game. That's great. Really, you know, they're just loving it. That's great. That's really great. All right, here's uh, we got a caller here, Ron, on WGN. Go ahead, Ron. Uh, yes, maybe someone can help me. Uh, I'm looking for an old board game from the 1960s. It's called uh, Civil War Game. I think it's made by Park Brothers. And uh, the board is like a... Uh, map of the United States with squares, and you pick the north or south and set up your pieces. I don't know if you ever heard of that. And game. it's a, it's actually just called the Civil War game. Yeah, I think so. And yeah. uh, there's three types of there's three three kinds of pieces: the soldiers, then cavalry, and artillery. And you you roll the dice and move everything around. Uh huh. All right, Amy Joel, do you know this game? Don't know that game, you know. I, I I'm trying to think of because we, we covered up our our wall with uh, with bookshelves. Oh, board games. <laughs> but I'm trying to think of that one wasn't on there. I know there was a couple of U.S. maps ones on there. Uh, you know the United States ones, but I, I don't think I had that one. Yeah. But you know, but there's so many different games that are out there that have been made. You know. It's, yeah. It's, it's is there is there a source uh, like online where you can look up old old board games? That I don't know. I know there used to be a. I used to be a place in I'm in Galena or something. I can't remember where, but they used to sell all the old games. Oh, you know, they made sure all the, all the pieces were in. But they're you know they're a little more pricier because you know you're not getting them anywhere. They're not in production. Yeah, yeah. exactly. <laughs> all right, Ron. I would I would I would suggest doing like a a search online to see if uh, they, somebody's okay. got it or maybe eBay. Sure. You know okay. that kind of thing. Okay. All right, Ron. Thanks. Three one two nine eight one seven two hundred is the. Uh, is the number um and uh what else is uh, what else is uh, is uh, is popular uh, uh amy um so the exit games are on fire and the at home adventure games and those are kind of like your um escape rooms which we have one of those in town and but these are the kinds of games that you can take home and you're going to sit down together. You can be, you can play alone or you can play with a group of people and you're going to go through a series of steps to figure things out that are in the box with riddles and piece things together and try to solve it. So it's a thinker game. And yeah. those who draw to these games, they come back and they buy the next series. Yeah. There's, there's a bunch mm-hmm. of different series and it's just like an escape room because you play it once and you're done with it, you know. Yeah. So you go to an escape room and it's $25 a person. You know, it's it's very well worth it. You know, you can spend time with your family. You know, it says get out an hour, hour and a half, but I'm yet to do that. So. Uh-huh. It's a bit of a challenge. Bit of a challenge. It is a challenge. Yeah, yeah. Well, that sounds that sounds fun. Um, and uh, you you guys have a lot of regulars who come in, right? Oh, we have a lot of regulars, but we we all we do a lot of events around the city to to help out the other businesses. We all kind of work together. Yeah, like for instance, we have like September twelfth. I hope I shameless plug here. We're doing a hopscotch event. Um, it's free for the kids. Come on out. We're we're building a hopscotch out of puzzle pieces in front of our store. Oh, cool. Um, there's, there's a T-shirt shop down the block, Junkyard. They're going to be making their hopscotch out of T-shirts. And then there's a coffee shop. We do a coffee cups. And there's a, a flower shop. You know, it's just something to go around town. And we're going to practice our social distancing, of yeah, course. Yeah, yeah. 
<laughs> just to get people out and get people coming back into the stores. Right now, you know, we our, our brand new sidewalks. It's something to come out and see. We have brand new trees and up and uplighting ain't in yet. But yeah, you know, this, this town is so beautiful. It's got that walkability. We're so close to the lake. Yeah, and you know, we get regular customers that's just like to come have dinner out here and walk over and, you know, play a game and bring something new home to play. Yeah, that sounds great. Uh, Whiting, Indiana. It sounds like you, uh, all of the businesses uh, work well together and look out for each other, correct? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. you know, you kind of have to, you know. When someone's like the theater, you go to, before you go to the theater, you know, we might get people walking to town and stop in. Or if they have dinner, you know, you, you want to walk it off and there's a couple, you know, a couple ice cream parlors down there. They, you know, they walk up and down the streets and, it's, you know, it's a nice walkable town. You know, when the benches are in, there can be nice benches around. Yeah. In the summertime, they do on every like third Wednesday. They were doing a cruise night, so they had all antique cars. You can't oh, park cool. on the street. Cool. And, and it's all old cars, and you got people with their their, their classic cars. They they want to talk about the car, how they restored oh, it. Oh yeah. They, they really yeah. They're really into it, and you know, <laughs> they have speakers with music going along the town the whole time. I mean, we finally got some new music going in. Shout out to Norb. Yeah, uh, and it was, before it was just a lot of Elvis, but now it's a lot of <laughs> now it's uh, a lot of sixties, seventies, eighties, and he's it, got a nice mixture of music. Uh, right. around. God, it sounds like a, it sounds like a, it sounds like a really lovely community and a really nice town. Uh, yeah, so it, people it should and go. Like I said, there's a lot of things going on here to you yeah. know to draw people in. Go in, great Besides town, and, and come and come home with a new puzzle or a new game. Uh, hold on, okay. Yeah. yeah. All right, Amy and Joel uh, Bender from Mind Benders Puzzles and Games in Whiting, Indiana. Uh, if you have a comment or a question, do you have a favorite game? What's your favorite game? Or you have a question, uh, and uh, if you are doing puzzles, because uh, you know so many people have been stuck inside, you want to fill that time up, and maybe it's a little challenging to do a giant puzzle. You get the whole family involved. Uh, so if you uh, if you got a comment or a question, it's three one two nine eight one seven two hundred. More with Amy and Joel Bender from Mindbenders Puzzles and Games coming up right here on seven twenty WGN. <laughs> I'm really kind of shy, but I get this feeling whenever you walk by. Hello, Nick DeGilio on 720 WGN. Live in the Skyline studio, 18 stories above beautiful uh, downtown Chicago. Uh, if you weren't listening at the uh, top of the show, I do want to um, uh, report on my dad. He's home. He's out of the hospital. He's home. He's doing really good, and I want to thank everyone for the for the kind thoughts and you know including him in your prayers and things like that. He's feeling really good, and he's home. So that's great news. I was so thrilled. He, he got home around three or four in the afternoon yesterday, and uh, I talked to him a few times, and he's doing well, and he's home, and that's the important thing. So, and thank you again for the the the, the, the thoughts and the and the concern. Uh, 312-981-7200 is the phone number. Um, we are going to talk about crazy ways people have saved their own lives. Um, uh, a guy spent uh, four years, $9,000, creating a giant Coca-Cola and baking soda explosion. Maybe we can talk about science fairs. That's another thing. Tom, do you ever uh, compete in a science fair? Yeah, I didn't do too well. All right, well, let's talk about it later. We'll talk about it later. Because right now, oh, by the way, the news is next in the Northwestern Medicine Newsroom. 
Amy and Joel Bender are with us. Mindbenders, puzzles and games in Whiting, Indiana. Check out mindbenders.biz if if you want to see their cool website with all of their puzzles and games available. Hello. Hi. Hello. Welcome. We're back. <laughs> All right. Hey. So, um, what? How do you suggest that people uh, get their kids off of the uh, of the screen? You know, because a lot of a lot of the kids now that they're stuck at home, they're also you know learning uh, from the screen and stuff like that, and, and you know, wean the kids off of the screen and play some physical board games and things. So the best way you can do that is, number one, bring them to us yeah. <laughs> so we can interact and show them. And honestly, that's really just it. If you do not show them something different, mm-hmm. they only know what they know. Right. And a perfect example would be um, somebody coming in the store and saying, do you have Scrabble? Because that's a game name they know. Yeah. But when we show them that we have 10 other comparable word games that are all different, but in that same category, then they're like, oh, what is this? And half the battle is just taking a minute to teach them something new and showing them. And they're like, oh, I wouldn't have known about that if you didn't show me. Yeah. So same with kids, same with adults. <laughs> a, lot of, a lot of parents come in here, ah, you know, he, he only does video games or he only, he only plays games on his cell phone. Well, if you ever sat down and played a family game with him, ah, not, not really. I'm like, well, if you... If you tried, maybe he'd he'd probably like it, and you know he wouldn't be on that cell phone. Yeah, you know he he might be enjoying, and he might learn something about each other. You know, you're playing a game. <laughs> yeah, no, no, I, I I totally agree, and I think that if you know, because I know a lot of kids are got their face in their phones or or their you know their computers or or you know pad right. you know I you know their whatever. I I just think that. Uh, you just say, "Hey, listen, put the thing down for a little while. Let's bu- <laughs> let's let's bust out a board game." And I think the yeah. kids would. I think the kids would love that. I mean, you know, I didn't. We didn't have when I was growing up. We didn't have the kind of crazy technology that we have now. No. Nobody was on. Nobody was on their screens or their cell phones or anything like that. So you know, playing board games was was something that we did. I mean, regularly. It was a thing. Yeah. That, I mean, it was a thing that we did almost nightly. You know. All weekend long in the wintertime. I remember yeah. spending time, you know, bank. I spent a, a friend uh, over at my friend's house. We're going to be playing Risk for like three days. Yeah. No, I, <laughs> uh, no. Anytime, anybody, anytime anybody mentions uh, Risk, I always think of uh, the episode of Seinfeld with Kramer and, uh, and Kramer and Newman. Playing you their, yeah, Ukraine. Ukraine. I'm from Ukraine, and then they smash the they smash the board. Uh, it's so funny. So, um, it, yeah, it take. It, tell me a little bit about the Tavern Puzzle Collection that you have. Oh, so we have a couple different Tavern Puzzle Collections. So we have the you know the the you know remember the horseshoes and stuff like that they used to get apart. So we have a little bit you know we have the, the bigger ones, but our our new ones are these little brass. There's like size of like three fingers and what you got to do is it's four pieces they're engineered like a lock or a or a bolt or a, even a just a square and you know you might think you're going to get it apart but it, ta- it it takes me a couple hours i actually gave one to somebody watching the super bowl and he missed the whole super bowl trying to get it back together <laughs> that is a true story and some of the ones the big metal ones where you have to like get the ring off the puzzle and they're all differently shaped and they're the kind that you look at and you're like this is impossible yeah because you can't bend it but people will try to bend it <laughs> and they have super fun names like one is called bottoms up 
Um, one is Painted Lady, and then there's Iron Maiden. <laughs> oh, nice. People are still very intrigued by those. Yeah, yeah. Where did the name Tavern Puzzle come from? Do people, people play these puzzles in taverns? Is that how it started? I'm, I'm not guessing it was. You know, when I, I used to bartend downtown once, a, once in a while, and I would bring these in, you know, just for the for everybody to, you know, play. I made the mistake of leaving them there one time, and they had all the iron. It was, it was a little five-star dive bar where I was working at. Yeah. And I come back, and the iron workers had them so mingled up. They just <laughs> – I'm like, you're not supposed to use any force. I'm like, well, this is no good. No yeah. more. It's not even going to come off regularly uh, that's now. That's funny. That's funny. <laughs> hey, do you have a suggestion for people who haven't done a puzzle in a long time, put, to, put a puzzle together? Should they start out with a small one, or should they just jump right into, like, a thousand piece? Yeah, I would start off with a 500 piece. You know, there's so many different ways of puzzling. I mean, there's we have some for, it's called For the Ages, you know, so they're like Alzheimer puzzles. So instead of having like 500 pieces, they might be 100 pieces. And, they're, and instead of having like a Mickey Mouse or Minnie Mouse, they're mature scenes like of gardens and of eagles and birds and stuff like that. Yeah. And then there's also family puzzles where a family puzzle is a 400 piece puzzle. All the pieces are different sizes. So the bottom half of the puzzle are large pieces for an older adult or a younger kid. Sure. Then there's medium-sized pieces for, you know, the little bit older kids or me. And then there's small, <laughs> small pieces with people that have pretty good eyesight still. Yeah. Wow, that yeah. sounds fun. That sounds like a cool we have, we have a lot of variety. I just wanted to add, too. You know, we have everything from, and they're really popular, and they are hard to get in, but we have some. Um, the Beatles puzzles that show different albums, those are popular. Oh, yeah. We have, we have Michigan puzzles now, and they're different, beautiful, scenic pictures of Michigan, but unique ones like Mackinac Island, but then there's one of Morale Mushrooms. Um, we have an art series of puzzles, and they're famous paintings. Oh, cool. Um, Museums? Yeah, and then we have, I mean, we have folk art of the city of Chicago, and, you know, that caller calls in about that old game, we have this game, this puzzle that says games we played, and there's old games on there. And although his game didn't make the cut, I do see the Jackson 5 game on this puzzle <laughs> and um, Happy Days. <laughs> oh, wow. So welcome back, like, Cotter. I remember that one. Yeah, welcome <laughs> back, Cotter. There's like this um, that show you old pictures, or there's a puzzle line that has, like, the 60s or the fabulous 50s. People love those because there's so many memories and yeah. tangles in those. Even yeah. some of the adult puzzles, like the thousand piece Mickey Mouse puzzle. I mean, it's a Mickey Mouse. It's a doll, but there's Mickey Mouse and then the villains. You know, a lot of Disney. You, you grow up, but you still love Disney, and it's something to do. You know, yeah. get the mind going again. Yeah. Yeah. Oh wow! Uh, now let me ask you about this. You guys, uh, I'm looking at the website. You guys have a, a a really really big selection of like Rubik's cubes. And, and yeah. of different of different kinds. I, I was never really good at that. And then they, they've got even more complicated and crazier ones, right? Oh yeah, there's you know there's there's a Mega Minx which has got nine pieces on each side. There's a gear ball where each time you turn, it's a gear. The gears all spin in different directions. There's um, oh, there's a cube inside a uh, a cube inside a cube that you twist the big cube and the little cube twists. I have a new one that's a square, but you bend it in certain shapes, and it comes apart and turns into a star. Wow. I got a, I got a pop ball where you had to keep popping the colors back and forth until you get all the right colors. Um, there's a cubic. It's like a Rubik's Cube, but it's a tube. It's a, like a labyrinth maze where you drop the marble through. Well, it's not going to drop through if you can't solve the puzzle, and it just it oh, makes it man. more difficult and more difficult as you go. 
Um, there's a ghost cube. It's like the Rubik's cube, but it's all different types of shapes. It's all white, but when you turn it, it doesn't turn into a cube anymore. It's a you know, it's a scrambled cube that's not. It looks like an alien life form thing. I know. <laughs> it's wow. And you got to get it back. And they're really tricky. Some of yeah, them. Yeah, you know, sounds like it. Yeah. Okay. Listen. Uh, always a pleasure uh, to talk to you. I'm glad business is going well. Um, Thank you very much. And uh, everybody, go to Whiting, Indiana. Check out the neighborhood and check out Mindbenders Puzzles and Games. And the website is mindbenders.biz. Amy, Joel, always a pleasure, and we'll talk to you soon. Okay. Thanks. Thanks, Nick. Thank, thank you, you so very much. much. I'm glad your father's doing well. Oh, thank you. I appreciate that. All right, there you go. Amy and Joel Bender from Mindbenders Puzzles and Games in Whiting, Indiana. They got tons of games. They got tons of puzzles. Uh, a fun place. It's hands-on. You can go in. They'll show you what to do or how to play the game. Turn your kids on to some new games. Get them Maybe get them off the phone. Get them off the uh, intranets. And uh, get them to play some board games. Brings families together and all kinds of cool stuff. Um, so yeah, it's a, that's it's a fun place right there. Mindbenders Puzzles and Games, Whiting, Indiana. Mindbenders.biz for logic challenging games, brain games, brain teaser puzzles, and a lot more. All right, it's Nick DeGilio on WGN. We are going to talk about a guy who spent four years and nine thousand dollars creating a giant Coca Cola and baking soda explosion. And then uh, I'm going to segue into talking about uh, science uh, fairs, maybe when you were in school and your experiences doing that, because it sounds like something that, you know, this guy spent so much money and it sounds like a science fair, uh, uh, you know, a science fair thing. So uh, that's all coming up after we uh, hit the news here on WGN. Man, Hall and Oates. I'm tired of playing. <laughs> hey, it's Nick DeGilio on 720 WGN. Live in the Skyline Studio, 18 stories above beautiful downtown Chicago, here till 4. Uh, it is a Friday morning. That means all the regular Friday features will start at 3 o'clock. 312-981-7200 is our number. Carson Comedy Classics. We always play uh, some really fun comedy from the Johnny Carson Show. You can see the Johnny Carson Show every night on Antenna TV. And we're going to go and replay the very first appearance that Ray Romano uh, made on The Tonight Show. Uh, did you ever uh, appear in a science fair? Did you ever do any really cool or weird science uh, experiments? 312-981-7200. So here's a, a science experiment fit for social distancing. Fox News reports that a Russian YouTuber created quite an explosion when he combined baking soda and 10,000 liters of Coca-Cola in a video that's been viewed more than 6 million times. Have you seen it, Tom? Oh, yeah. Is it nuts? It's pretty ridiculous. They're essentially filling up. They they create a a big kind of fake Coca-Cola bottle, and then um, what they do is fill it with these, uh, like, vats of Coca-Cola, and then they mix it with baking soda. And then boom. Yeah, it just it just absolutely blows its top. Uh, to pull off the impressive feat, YouTuber Maxim Monikov uh, had to invest some serious money and some serious time. According to the New York Post, he spent more than $9,000 in four years to complete the stunt. The video was uploaded to YouTube on August 21st, showing the painstaking process that uh, Monikov 
and his crew went through to get the bottles of Coke, fill a pressurized tank with soda, and then adding the baking soda into another tub, uh, which they dump into the cola. The climax of the nearly 20-minute video comes as the group runs away in slow motion as the tank behind them shoots the carbonated beverage high through the sky through an attached pipe after baking soda is dropped. The soda can be seen spewing for several minutes as the group cheers. (laughs) Those on YouTube praise the time-consuming experiment. Uh, Mad respect for Mamex and his team. Congratulations on achieving a long-awaited goal, one person wrote via translation. Rumor is that Maxim is still collecting Coca-Cola bottles, another person joked. Uh, Those who are yearning for an explosion without investing nearly... uh, $10,000 or four years, you can opt for a single bottle of Coca-Cola, a spoonful of baking soda, or Mentos candy, which creates the... Remember when that was a big thing? People dropping Mentos. Mentos into into Cokes, Coke bottles. And then what? The top would fly off, right? Wouldn't they? Well, I mean, the whole thing would just fly. What you would do is um, you would put the Mentos in... And then try, or you'd put it, uh, what we used to do in, in high school was you would put the Mentos on kind of like a little bit of string and wrap it in foil. Wrap it in foil? Or like, or like rather the foil, you know, the foil that it comes in when you get a Mentos uh, thing. You think of Mentos, there's like, it's got foil wrapping around it. Uh-huh. So you wrap it in that and you put it on a string and then you kind of hide it. When you put the cap back on, so you take your friend's drink, you put it, in, you quickly put it in there, and then when they open the cap, the string releases, the coke quickly dissolves the wrapping, and then it explodes right in their face. That that sounds ridiculous. It's super ridiculous. Or you just like throw it in there, quickly put the cap back on, toss up the bottle, and then when it hit the ground, it would explode and fly like a rocket. Yeah, I've seen videos of that. Yeah, it's kind of like NASA for dummies. So the 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 Mentos Coca Cola craze was was huge on on oh on, my god online. Yeah. I mean, everybody was doing it. I mean, you had these idiot kids who put you put a Mentos in and then put your mouth over the top of the bottle oh, to see on, how much you, like come out your nose and stuff. Oh, <laughs> geez, mental. Yeah. So, have you ever been in a in a, a science fair? Three one two nine eight one. Have you ever seen some weird science experiments? We're going to talk about some that that uh, that are that are around. So, Tom, you did say that you you didn't do well. No, in the science fair, in my one and only science fair, I did quite poorly. I did quite poorly. Uh-huh. I tried to do the uh, the potato battery thing. Oh, sure. Yeah, that was a popular one. Yeah, this is. I was probably in second grade. I was doing this, and uh, this is when I was in private school for a period of time because I was living abroad. So I went to private school, and I tried to do the potato battery thing. Long story short, I guess I missed a step in the process, and my light bulb—you know, the little light bulb—wouldn't turn on. And uh, I was I was disappointed, obviously. And there I am standing in the science fair. The judges, fine. All the kids are coming around. They're like, "Your potato doesn't work." I was like, "Yeah, I know. I gathered that." And uh, the judges come around. They're like, Tom, can you please show us your experiment? Uh, no. Uh-huh. Uh, is there is there a reason why you can't show us your experiment? Uh, 
It doesn't work. Yeah. And they said, well, can you try it? Tried it. Light bulb didn't go on. So since I was in second grade, they were still, they were like, well, that's okay. You tried. You did yeah. the, you Because you have to do like a like a fold-out board and everything. Oh, yeah. The no, steps I, of the yeah. process. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, but it was still a private school, so they gave me, you know, they, they didn't do grades like A, B, C, D, F. Um, it was like exceeds or, you know, all that kind of weird language. And they just kind of put a stamp on my on my project that just was like satisfactory. Mm. So I was I was bummed about that. How far away were you from the kid with the volcano? Uh, luckily, pretty far away. Yeah. Because um, there's always a kid with a volcano. They should be banned. That's a dumb experiment. The other it's been thing, done a the other times. thing, uh, the other thing is everything involves baking soda at some point. Oh yeah. Um, I like the kids who clearly their parents made the science experiment for. Them. They frustrated me so much. I mean, it was just, it's so obvious. It's so obvious that you know, like, okay, my dad did this in the garage. Yeah, I had nothing to do with it. You got you got one kid with the volcano. You got another kid with a potato battery, and then some other kid has invented perpetual motion. You know, <laughs> someone they've got, they're doing the experiment from chain reaction under you know at their local science fair. Yeah, some kid stole some plutonium from some Libyan rebels. Yeah. All right. All right. Uh, have you ever been in the science fair? What were uh, what were the results and what was your experiment? 312-981-7200. We're going to talk about some weird science experiments that you can try at home uh, and also uh, some weird science experiments from the past. So 312-981-7200. We'd love to hear from you on the Team Hochberg phone line. 312-981-7200. <laughs> Victor Gilio here on 720 WGN. Uh, live in the Skyline studio on a Friday morning, the regular Friday features, coming up at 3 o'clock, straight out of context, Nick D. Show Spies, you big dummy. Fly Jams Friday. Luscious Hushes will spin the jams. Um, right now we're, t- we're talking about some crazy science experiments and uh, some simple science experiments that you can probably do at home. And the question is, have you been in a science fair like when you were a kid? And were you the kid with the volcano? There's always a kid with a volcano. So, um, 312-981-7200. Let's hear from you. Were you successful at the science fair? Did you do as well as Tom did? Satisfactory. Yeah. Uh, The phone lines are open right now. 312-981-7200. I was in the science fair. I can't remember how old. I was 11 or 12 or something. At my, uh, my public grade school. And uh, my science experiment was I turned milk into glue. I don't remember how it was done. Yeah, I was going to say. I don't remember. I no idea. <laughs> I don't remember anything about it. I know it, it involved um, heating the milk up and separating the curds and whey. Um, that's it. Leave it to you to have your science experiment be centered around it's milk. Centered around milk, yeah. Yeah, milk into turn milk into glue. If anyone knows how to do it, three one two nine eight one seven two hundred. And then I had like a model that 
was put together with the glue. Mm-hmm. Only I used <laughs> I used Elmer's glue to make sure it was okay. Oh, you cheated! I did. You cheated. Yeah. That's terrible. You should be ashamed. And of I got like a some stupid ribbon or something. Like, oh, this is interesting. <laughs> Good experiment, but probably cheated. <laughs> yeah. They didn't know. I was like, hey, look, I put this, put this model together using the milk glue. Oh, you really pulled the wool over their eyes. Yeah. They didn't care. They're just like, oh, let's get out of here, these little jerks. <laughs> just give the little jerks a ribbon. Give each one of them a ribbon. Do you remember any of the other experiments that uh, might have been there? There was some, you know, some electricity experiment that some kid did. This, the, the one kid, you know, the, the, the kid that always was like the teacher's pet, mm-hmm. you know, the you know he had he always getting great grades you know what I mean he's he was that kid yeah doing the, he did the some, high level stuff oh yeah he did some electric thing where there were lightning bolts or something shooting around <laughs> I don't know I don't know what he did but it was like that was the you know that was of course the top prize winner yeah because that's who the kid was well that's the thing is that when it comes to these science fairs they're trying to get kids to understand the scientific method and all that kind of stuff. Yeah. That's really the goal is to, for you to come up with your own experiment, right? And uh, what you can do, but then how do they, these kids don't know how to harness lightning? You know, like a kid like that top earner, he had to look that up, right? Somewhere. I would get well. I my, I my, you know, I don't know. This this kid was like he was the you know Poindexter. Oh yeah, oh yeah. Did he have a pocket protector? No. Okay. No, he didn't. But. um I mean, he was just, he was clearly, you know, he loved school. Head of class. Yeah. That whole thing. Uh, so, but anyway, yeah, milk into glue. I don't even, I, I think I looked it up in a book. I think I found it in a book. Like, here's a cool science experiment to try. You could turn milk into glue. And I still don't remember how it was done. And, you know, obviously, you know, the, the, the teachers and the judges who came by were just like, yeah, okay, this is stupid. Just give this guy, just give this kid a ribbon and let's get out of here. But, uh, yeah, so w- were you ever in the science fair? 312-981-7200. And we're talking about some science uh, experiments that you can do at home. And we got some creepy science experiments that we're going to talk about as well. Um. 312-981-7200 is the number if you've ever been in a science fair or what was your experiment. That was the only time I was ever in the, a science fair was milk into glue. That was the only That was the only time. Lauren judges science fairs for kids. Really? Yeah, like one of the local high schools. Does she see a lot of volcanoes? Um I think I think they've pretty much banned those really? at this point. Um Yeah, she's like kids are shockingly smart. They're they're oh, no, coming yeah. up with so much cool stuff. I wasn't, but yeah. but uh, you know, was that GPA two point two? No, 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 no. That was in high school. Okay, high school. But you were good in grade school. I, grade you were school, very I was, studious. Yeah, I was, especially I mean, especially, when it came, especially when it came to um, uh, reading. Reading, yeah, yeah. That was the, that was the thing. I was a voracious reader. But I'll say this: milk into glue. That's a good experiment. That's a cool experiment. I think I found, like I said, I think I found it in a book, and I was like, oh. I could do this. This would be cool. This. And I looked about it. I, you know, I looked at what, how you had to do it, and I remember thinking, okay, this isn't really going to turn some milk into glue, and it's not complicated. I don't have to build a volcano. <laughs> Paper mache. Yeah. Uh, let's see. Here's uh, Lake Geneva, Dan. Go ahead, Dan. Yeah, uh, 
Luke Leach, and Dan. At uh, Illinois Benedictine College there in Lyle, Illinois, we had a tribute contest. We built these things. We're in mechanical engineering, and uh, they're about 12 feet high. And they're fancy catapult. We were launching heads of cabbage about 150 yards. Oh, that's cool. <laughs> we, we, part, we, we, we put a junk car out there, and you had to hit it. And that's course, really you know, the, the, the geeks are doing all the calculations, weight and balance and everything. That sounds cool. Yeah, these things are, it's like what they're launching cows with in uh, Monty Python, yep. Holy Grail. <laughs> a a, a tribute. Yeah. There it is. What'd, wow. you guys, what'd you guys launch, Dan? He said cab- heads okay. of cabbage. Cabbage? Yeah. All right. Heads of cabbage yeah, we had a, and a car. <laughs> <laughs> that sounds like fun. Okay, yeah, it's a tribute contest. Yeah, there it is. All right, Dan, thanks, buddy. Yeah, bye. Yeah, launching heads of cabbage at, a, at an old beat-up car. That's amazing. That sounds like a blast. Well, it reminds me of that episode of The Amazing Race with the catapults where they're launching watermelons. Yeah, yeah. I don't watch The Amazing Race. Oh, man. you miss, They're launching watermelons. Uh-huh. And it's, it's more of a large slingshot than it is an actual trebuchet. But the these this couple of gals there got the giant slingshot. They're firing melons. The girl goes all the way back on the lawn, all the way back, and lets it go. It flips on the other side and launches the watermelon straight into her face. Oh man, yeah. And she luckily nothing nothing was broken. You know she was she was just kind of like she dazed. Took a watermelon to the face. Yeah, and her partner goes up and says, "All right." uh, so are you good? Can we keep going? <laughs> did, like, did the watermelon break? Yeah, break broke right in her face. Oh man, it just shattered. Jeez. Uh, science experiments and uh, science fairs. Here's Al on WGN. Hi, Al. Good morning, Nick. How are you? I'm all right. What do you got? Uh, I'm glad to hear you guys doing better. Me too. Thank you. Uh, you're welcome. I I think I was like a freshman in high school, and I had a science project, and I replicated. Edison's first light bulb. Oh. So I, I remember making a basin wood shop, and I used the beaker as, as the bulb itself. Yeah. But then I used a piece of flash paper, and I did I used, uh, like, one of those Estes rockets igniters. Okay. So, like, when I hooked up the battery, the, the igniter, like, you know, ignited the flash paper. Oh, all right. That sounds pretty cool. Did you win a prize no. or anything? No, I I don't even remember. It was, you know, high school science. Yeah. So, I was just thinking about that, but, um, yeah, I thought I'd share that with okay. you. Okay. All right. Thank you, Al. All right. You have a good one, Nick. Thank you, buddy. Thank you. 312-981-7200. If you've ever uh, been in, uh, in the science fair or did some science experiments... Or if you were the volcano kid, because there's always a volcano kid. Got some science experiments here. How about this one? Swimming spaghetti. Uh, Make spaghetti do tricks with this fun and fizzy experiment. Here's what you need. Uncooked spaghetti. A cup of water. Two teaspoons of baking soda. There's the baking soda again. Uh, Five teaspoons of vinegar. And a tall, clear glass. So here's what you do. You put water and baking soda in the glass, stir until the baking soda has dissolved. 
break spaghetti into one-inch pieces, put about six pieces in the glass. They will sink to the bottom. Add vinegar to the mixture in the glass. Observe what happens to the pieces of pizza. Add more vinegar as the action starts to slow down. Um, when baking soda and vinegar are mixed together, a chemical reaction occurs. It produces a gas called carbon dioxide, which forms lots of bubbles on the top of the mixture and smaller bubbles at the bottom uh, of the glass. These little bubbles stick to the spaghetti and make it float to the surface, just as you would if you were sitting in a swimming pool uh, on, on a noodle. When the spaghetti reaches the surface, the bubbles pop and the spaghetti sinks to the bottom. So there you go. There's a little experiment for you. Get your spaghetti swimming. You want to try that one? Swimming spaghetti? Yeah. Give I that one I... Give that one a, a shot. That's what we used to call this tall kid on my uh, swim team. Spaghetti? Yeah, swimming spaghetti. Swimming spaghetti? Yeah, swimming spaghetti. All right. Uh, how about writing a secret message? Write an invisible message on a mirror using a soapy solution with a cotton swab. The secret message will appear only in a foggy room. Well, that sounds pretty cool. You'll need liquid dishwashing detergent, a cup of water, a few cotton swabs, a hand mirror, or a bathroom mirror. So you place a few drops of dishwashing detergent into a cup of water, stir to mix well. This is your secret message, ink. Dip a cotton swab into the soapy solution, write a short message on the mirror. When the liquid dries, the message will be invisible. Uh, when you take a hot shower or a bath, do not get the mirror wet, but get the mirror close enough to steam from the water so it gets fogged up. Close the door, and the steam stays in the bathroom. Um, more fun, write a secret message and wait until someone takes a shower or a bath and see how quickly they discover your secret. Seems like an easy way to convince someone their house is haunted. Yeah. It just says, you just write, get out on the mirror. And then listen for the <laughs> scream in the bathroom. <laughs> Leave. Yep. All right, uh, let's break here for, uh, for some news, and uh, we'll come back. If you've done a science, a science experiment or if you were part of a science fair, uh, let's hear from you at 312-981-7200. Let's get to the news. Dark clouds are blowing in the wind. He's crossing your mind again. Hello. It's Nick DeGilio on 720 WGN, live in the Skyline studio here till 4 o'clock. It's Friday morning, so all the regular uh, Friday features will uh, begin at 3 o'clock with You Big Dummy, and then straight out of context, Nick D Show Spies and Fly Jams Friday with Luscious Hushes. Um, we're also going to uh, talk about some of the craziest ways that people save their own lives and uh, our Comedy classics from Carson. Johnny Carson is on uh, Antenna TV every night. You should watch it. And we always like to play some fun clips. We'll play the first appearance of Ray Romano doing some stand-up on uh, the Johnny Carson show back to 1991. 
312-981-7200. That's the phone number. We're talking about uh, science experiments. And if you were in the science fair, did you have a cool science fair? Did you win? Did you make a volcano? Did you turn milk into glue? <laughs> I think I think all you have to do for that is just leave it in the fridge for a few weeks. Or out of the fridge. For, yeah, out of the fridge. Yeah. Even even less amount of time. Milk and I just I can't get over how you would have found out about that. I can't remember what I was I was looking for because you know we 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 had to we had to make something for the science fair. It was required that we do that. It wasn't voluntary. So I don't know. I looked it up uh, in a book or something. All right, here it is. Oh, you got it. Yeah. Um, mix one cup of milk. And a quarter cup of vinegar. Mm-hmm. Vinegar. Let the mixture sit for 10 to 15 minutes. The milk will separate and the small pieces of a white solid will form. This white solid is some of the proteins in milk and will end up becoming the glue. Interesting. So it's just milk and vinegar. Milk and vinegar. So no wonder I did it. Yeah. Didn't re- it didn't require any. F- <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and then you have to, you have to, uh, you know, separate. That with like a coffee filter. Yeah, yeah. Looks like there's some baking soda involved. Of course, um, there's baking ba- baking soda is involved in every single kid science experiment of all time. You know, <laughs> I really think that E equals M C squared is missing baking soda. <laughs> that's, I think that's the missing ingredient. Einstein. That's, that's, that's what drove Einstein crazy. <laughs> that's what gave him that hair. <laughs> that was the Manhattan Project. It was a bunch of guys figuring out how to turn baking soda into an atomic weapon. Yeah. Three one two nine eight one seven two hundred. All right. How about the power of ice? Cube. Yeah, man. T. T. Vanilla. Okay. <laughs> uh, why do people put covers on their outside faucets in the winter? Why isn't it a good idea to leave water in a garden hose during freezing temperatures? It's the power of ice. You'll need three small plastic drinking cups. One with a lid, dish, or pan big enough to hold all three cups. Uh, you, you need cups, water, and a freezer. Fill all three cups with as much water as possible without overflowing. Put the lid on one. Set all three cups in a dish and place in the freezer overnight. Check to see what happens the next morning. Did the water stay the same size after it became ice? Uh, leave the frozen items in the freezer for a few days. Do you notice any changing? When the water freezes, it expands. When water is left in a garden hose during freezing temperatures, the force of the ice expanding can cause hoses to break open. The same thing can happen with the water pipes in your house. If the water freezes in a pipe, it can break the pipe. Yeah, I've had that happen. And usually you just got to learn the hard way. not fun. No. So... All right, you ready for some creepy science experiments? Other than myself? And your, uh, what the hell was your experiment was again? A, oh, the, the potato, potato battery. You failed the potato. I failed, yeah. I was not I was not very good at science. I think on every standardized test I ever took, I didn't do so well in science. Yeah. Or maths. Oh, math, I'm, I, yeah. you know. I get made fun of relentlessly by Lauren for my inability to do, like, basic math in my head. I'm kind of the same way. Well, it's a real. Do you, let me ask you this: Do you get? Does it make you anxious? 
Do you feel a sense of anxiety when you're trying to figure out something in your head? Uh, like a math problem. Because uh, that's a real thing. I don't know. I don't re- I don't think so. Yeah, I get I get what's called I literally get ma- math anxiety. Well, like, how often does this happen to you? All the time. Well, how often do you I mean, I don't do a lot of math on a daily basis. Well, like if if <laughs> so say so say if I'm go I'm going through like we're we're talking about like the grocery budget or something or how much we spent on something yeah. or how much we're going to here here's when it happens the most is sometimes when I'm figuring out the tip which seems like the easiest thing in the world which is why I because I, I always tip 20% not just because I used to work in the service industry but because it's super easy because I'm just like all right 10% times 2 super easy yeah but sometimes like figuring out percentages of things or all that kind of stuff especially if people are watching me like if Lauren's just like all right figure figure this out well, what does she just give you a test no. <laughs> Here, I've got this for you. Let me know when you're done. <laughs> You've got 20 minutes to complete the test. Please, no. <laughs> Go to the kitchen now. Yeah, no, it's it's literally like even if I'm doing something as small as um, uh, expanding or subtracting like a, uh, like a recipe. You know, like the recipe is for four servings, but I'm only making two. So you got to cut everything right. in half or something like that. Uh, I get I get like panicky. I get super panicky because I'm like, wait, hold on, is it carry the carry the two, uh, or maybe it's oh, how many how many cups are in a a quart or something like yeah. that? And she looks at me. She's like, what is wrong with you? She's like, you can't do that in your head. No, thank God I've got this amazing square in my pocket. That, that would be a, a phone. Calculate. Yeah, it's exactly. A, yeah, it's, it's a, a miracle. Rectangle. It's a rectangle. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it is a rectangle. See, you see what I mean? I can't even do geometry. <laughs> the hell is the hell is that? All right, so not good. All right, how about this one? These are creepy science experiments. You ready for this? A scientist lets an insect live inside her. Oof. The sand flea, also known as the chigger flea, is pretty gross. It burrows permanently into the skin of a warm-blooded host, like a human, where it swells, defecates, and produces eggs before dying four to six weeks later, still embedded in the skin. Uh, We know a lot about them, but until now, their sex lives have been shrouded in mystery. Not anymore. A researcher in Madagascar was so interested in sand flea development that she let one of the bugs live inside her for foot for two months. Her intimate observations paid off. She figured out that the parasites most likely have sex when the females are ready inside their hosts. Why what why would this why? For the pursuit of greater knowledge, Nick. Um how about this? A blood of young mice rejuvenates old mice. Uh there are a lot of different interpretations of vampires out there, some sparklier than others. Oh, come on now. <laughs> Two things remain co- consistent. Vampires guzzle blood. They live forever. As it turns out, if you're trying to stay young, you could do worse than start with the blood of young victims. Scient- scientists interested in aging join two mice together, one young, the other old, and study the effects. Once its circulatory system was connected to that of the younger mouse, the old mouse experienced reverse aging in muscle and brain. Although it's not quite time to start asking your kids for blood transfusions, researchers are keen to start clinical trials in humans. No. No. 
Just no. God. Imagine if, you know, L'Oreal starts selling that. New from L'Oreal, the blood of a thousand virgins. How about pinpointing where fear lives in the brain? Another experiment. Fear is a pretty universal emotion, but where does it come from? And what's it truly, what's it like to be truly furious? You should do this when you're trying to do math. You should do this experiment when you're trying to do math. Uh, researchers tried to answer the first question in 2011 when they tested a human patient known as anonymously as SM who did not experience fear. SM had lesions, and part of her brain thought that the key to uh, the experiment was fear. They exposed her to snakes and spiders, took her to a haunted house, had her watch scary movies. She showed and felt no fear. So it's in your brain, man. It's all in your head. Yeah. This also explains Chuck Norris's lack of fear. Must just must not have that part of his. Well, brain. he's just Chuck Norris, man. Yeah. Remember that? Uh, remember that craze on, on the internet? They even made a book. Chuck Norris can do this, and Chuck Norris can do that. I had the author of the book on. Oh, really? Yeah, and this is a long time ago when it first really hit. Yeah, this would have been. Oh God! And uh, the Chuck Norris people were not happy. Well, you know, Chuck Norris's people can. <laughs> Kiss my grits. Uh huh. He can go back to selling Bowflexes or whatever. That was his thing, right? It was Bowflex. Is it Bowflex? I think at one it's point. Him, it's him and Christy Brinkley. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it was. Well, it's Christy Brinkley separately, but it was the same because it was him and his wife, who's like 40 years younger than he is. Yeah. Chuck Norris is like 79 years old, I, mean. I think. Well, you know, when Chuck, when Chuck Norris, uh, he he doesn't do push-ups. He pushes the world down. Yeah, see, that's, that's right there. Bad. That's one of them. So uh, if you've uh, done something at the science fair, if you uh, did a little science experiment, phone lines are open at 312-981-7200. 312-981-7200. We'll continue after this. Yeah. Hi, it's Nick DeGilio on 720 WGN. Uh, live in the Skyline studio, we're here until 4, 312-981-7200. That's our number. Uh, coming up, our regular Friday features at 3 o'clock. And the news is next from the Northwestern Medicine Newsroom. Science experiments and science fairs. Uh, you got any experiences there that you want to share? 312-981-7200. Uh, and we've got also some creepy science experiments that we've been talking about. Yeah, I only did the science fair just that one time. I can't remember. I was like a, a 11 or 12 or something. And um, it was in the basement of our school. They set it all up in the basement of the school. Um, yeah, and I can't, I can't remember. I know the teachers judged us. But, Yeah. So if you want to jump in, 312-981-7200. All right, more creepy uh, science experiments. Shocking people to death, quote-unquote. 
Stanley Milgram's tests are some of the best-known psychology experiments out there, and with good reason. In 1961, in the wake of the high-profile trial of Nazi war criminal uh, Adolf Eichmann, Milgram set out to test our obedience to authority figures. The experiment was simple. Subjects were introduced to give a series of uh, escalating electric shocks to a person in another room. The shock started at 15 volts and ended at a massive 450 volts. Although the two were separated, the subjects could communicate with the person getting the shocks and hear their quote-unquote faked reactions, which included screaming, banging on the wall, and complaining of a heart condition. After a while, the person in the next room would stop responding completely. The subjects were not threatened or berated if they expressed discomfort. They were simply instructed uh, um, a maximum of four times to keep administrating the volts. The results were shocking. Milgram found that a full 65% of the subjects, despite obvious discomfort, administered the final and seemingly fatal 450-volt electric shock to the person in the next room. That's pretty crazy. That's pretty crazy, I gotta say. Um, how about this? Of birds, aggression, and Dick Cheney. Isn't Be- that the title of your memoir? Yeah. Be careful how you treat birds this Halloween because they remember researchers in Seattle ran an interesting experiment on crows. They designated a caveman mask as dangerous. Uh, and a Dick Cheney mask is neutral. They wore the dangerous mask to net and capture the crows and wore the Cheney uh, when they felt like acting the good guy. As it turns out, crows don't forget a face. Up to two-thirds of the birds in the area would become upset when they saw the dangerous mask and start scolding, mobbing, and dive-bombing the wearer, no matter where they were. But they like Dick Cheney. Should have wore a Fabio mask, considering his relationship with Bird. Oh, yeah. Didn't he get hit in the face on a roller coaster? On a roller coaster. He got smashed in the face with a bird. Oh, God. Comes in blood all over his face as the ride's rolling back into the station. (laughs) Oh, poor Fabio. Yeah, whatever happened to Fabio? Where's Fabio? Where is Fabio, indeed? Probably just got stuck on the cover of another romance novel. Um... Wasn't he doing I Can't Believe It's Not Butter commercials or something? You know what? I think he was. I think he was. If you can believe it, 61. Yeah, I can believe it. Yeah, he was the uh, wide-ranging career, including being a spokesman for I Can't Believe It's Not Butter, the American Cancer Society, and prominently as a romance novel cover model. Oh, Fabio. He seems like a nice enough guy. Yeah. Uh, how about reanimation with dead hearts? If you're smart, you've already you've already have a plan for the zombie apocalypse, and you've got your survival team already picked out. As it turns out, reanimation may not be complete science fiction. Researchers in California were successfully able to transplant dead, non-beating hearts into young baboons. Although each of the subjects eventually died, they say that their findings suggest that we should one day be able to transplant dead hearts into humans, too. Really? That could be useful. Yeah. How about, uh, here's, here's one for you. 
Let's see. Eight simple uh, experiments. You can do tornado in a bottle. I've seen that. That's a favorite. Rainbow in a glass. This experiment uh, takes advantage of density to create a rainbow in the glass. When you add sugar to liquid, it causes the solution to become more dense. The more sugar you add, the more dense the solution. If you have four different solutions that are all different colors and densities, the color will layer on top of each other. The denser, the more sugary solutions will sit at the bottom, and the lights will sit at the top. You want to make a little rainbow in a glass. Isn't that special? How about gooey slime? When you mix glue, water, and a little bit of food coloring, then add some borax, a gooey slime forms. It's because the glue has something called polyvinyl acetate in it, which is liquid polymer. The borax links the the polyvinyl acetate molecules to each other, creating one large flexible polymer uh, of slime. What's borax? Borax is... uh, it's like Ajax. It's a cleanser. Okay. So it's like soap? Well, it's like a pow- you know, it's like a it's like a powdered cleanser, you know, like you oh. what you clean the sink with? Oh, I just You I know just what I'm you know what I'm talking soap. about? Uh not really. You don't know what Ajax is? I know what Ajax is. It's soap. It's dish soap. No, it's not. There's Ajax, there's another one too. It's a powdered you scrub the sink with it. It's a can with holes in the top, not unlike Parmesan cheese. And you dump it into the sink. You get the sink a little wet. You dump it into the sink. You let it sit, and then you scrub it. That's what it is. Okay. I, be- I believe you. You've never used that? No. I I'm, trying my... to think of, I'm trying to think of the other brand because there's another popular brand of, of uh, okay, well, there's a name for, for the product. It's a uh, it's, it's powder cleanser. Powder cleanser, yeah. Ajax. There's another one too. I can't believe you've never used that. Uh, well, uh, Comet. Comet. That's it. That's the most popular one. Is Comet. And you've never never had a can of Comet ever in your house. No. 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 What? What? What, is the, what do you mean? What? It's one of the most common kitchen uh, uh, things of all time. Well, I don't bloody have it. It's, I just use dish soap to clean my. Uh, oh man, my sink. I, I I can't I can't believe this. I can't believe you don't know what Comet or Ajax is. <laughs> That's insane. I've, n- I've never needed it. I guess. I'm not trying to clean my sink with uh, something that sounds like part of a bug. Well, borax. Yeah, well, you got to scrub your you got to scrub your sink and toilet and and uh, not your toilet. Well, yeah, you can use it on the toilet. Not sure, I mean tub. If you get a, if you get the ring. this is this is all the stuff that we used to use before they had that those soft cleansers that weren't supposed to be so the liquid ones. Yeah, that like, weren't so harsh. You had Comet Ajax. Yeah, that, I still have those. What about <laughs> scrubbing bubbles? I use scrubbing bubbles. That's something else altogether. Scrubbing okay. bubbles is the spray. Yeah, I like that one. It foams up. It's got bubbles, so it's fun. And they all have faces and personalities. Yeah, exactly. I like having a conversation with my cleaning products. How about a pasta rocket? Pasta rocket? Believe it or not, you can create a very simple hybrid rocket engine using nothing but some yeast, hydrogen peroxide, a jar, fire, and some uncooked pasta. 
<laughs> really? When you mix the yeast and hydrogen peroxide together, they react and create pure oxygen gas. When this gas is funneled through a piece of pasta, all you need is a little bit of fire, and you got yourself a pasta rocket. What will the Italian military come up with next? <laughs> How about a homemade lava lamp? In case you want to get high, is that is that? <laughs> you want to get high, buddy? Alka-Seltzer is great if you're suffering from heartburn or an upset stomach, but you probably didn't know it's also great if you're looking to create your own homemade lava lamp. Because oil and water have different densities and polarities, when you mix them together, the water sinks to the bottom. If you add food coloring, which is water-based, it'll sink to the bottom as well. If you crumble an Alka-Seltzer tablet, it creates, it reacts with the water, causing the um, colored droplets of water to rise to the top and then pop, release air, and sink back down to the bottom. This creates a similar show to what you see in a lava lamp. All right. All right. 312-981-7200 is the phone number. And uh, we're going to talk about uh, some crazy ways people have saved their lives. And a guy used some Bud Light to put out a wildfire. Uh, but first, uh, we were uh, going to get to the newsroom. And let's uh, get to the news now. Who is this again? Player. Player, that's right. Just like you, man. Yeah, right. A real player. Yeah. A ladies' man. Oh, yeah. Uh, Hi, it's Nick DeGilio on 720 WGN. We're live in the Skyline studio here until 4 o'clock. And uh, the regular Friday feature, Straight Out of Context, Nick D Show Spies, You Big Dummy, Fly Jams Friday, all coming up after 3 o'clock. Also... Carson Comedy Classics. You can watch the Johnny Carson Show every night on Antenna TV, and I highly recommend that you do because it's great. And we always play a little clip from the Johnny Carson Show to give you a laugh. We'll do it at 2.30. And uh, tonight, some stand-up from Ray Romano. In fact, it's Ray Romano's very first appearance on The Tonight Show, dating back to 1991. So uh, there you go. So uh, do you enjoy a cold Bud Light? Uh, not really. <laughs> uh-huh. It's not for me. If if I had to choose one of the light beers, probably Miller Lite. In terms of, like, the really popular ones. I guess Guinness is technically a light beer. It's only 99 calories. Yeah, and it's good for you. It is. Makes you strong. That's right. The toucan says so. Yeah. The toucan says so. I don't understand why there's a toucan. Oh, Guinness ads are the best. The really vintage ones. Isn't there like a stork too? Don't they have one where there's a stork? I, I wouldn't be surprised. Um, I always loved My Goodness, My Guinness. Yeah. That was always a fun yeah, one. Yeah, when I was a drinking man, I enjoyed Guinness. I enjoyed a good stout. So, uh, But I was never really a big Bud Light guy. No, but I think it is still, to this day... Uh, the top-selling beer in the United States. Bud Light is? Bud Light, yeah. Wow. All right. 
I mean, if I, when I was a drinking man, if I was at a party and that was all they had, I'd drink it. I'm not going to not drink beer. You, you, know, you know what I mean? <laughs> yeah, you never look a gift beer in the mouth. No. Um, well, Bud Light has other uh, things it can do other than, you know, like getting you drunk. Because here's the headline. Uh, California man uses cans of Bud Light to extinguish extinguish flames from a wildfire. Where did this story come from? California, if I'm not mistaken. Oh, really? Because it says California man? Yeah. I should have figured that out, huh? What do you mean, where did it come from? I'm talking about the the source. Uh, It is from WJHG. Now, is that a California... Television, the local California television station? Yeah, that's, uh, I think it's, good Lord. I'm not, I'm not sure where exactly in California. Wait, I, wait a minute. I, I thought, don't, don't, California, don't they, don't they have K, not W? Yeah, they're K, right? Well, they should be, but it's not always true. No, it is. <laughs> oh, pardon me. This, so WJHG is in uh, Panama. It's in Panama City, Florida. Oh, that's pardon. Florida. Okay. Yeah, that's Florida. But they're reporting. It was them reporting on a uh, California story. I'm, my guess is from their news wire. Yeah, I'm sure. Sure. A California man was trying to protect his home from the LNU Lightning Complex fire, and he used the only thing he get his put out the flames. That's beer. It was crazy, homeowner Chad Little told KCRA. Chad, when describing the fire, okay, of course a guy names Ch- a guy named Chad drinks Bud Light. <laughs> I mean, there I was, four buds deep, off sun fire. Um, I was like, whoa. So he was describing the fire, Chad Little. It was crazy. Everybody's on propane tanks. It was like a war zone. As his family packed up, Little made up his mind he wasn't leaving. He was staying and protecting his home. Little's family already lost their home five years ago to an attic fire, and their rebuild was set to finish this year. This happens, and I'm like, no, I can't. I can't let it go, Little said. Little has hoses around his property, but he wasn't prepared for the water to turn off. He grabbed a rake and started clearing dry grass. I was putting out fires all the way around, stopping it from going towards the house. Meanwhile, all the cars were on fire. God, that sounds like a nightmare, doesn't it? It's terrifying. Have you seen footage of some of these fires? Yeah. It's horrifying. His cars were torched and his shop was going up quickly. It was burning on, on, on the wood down low. But I didn't have any water. Um, I had one barrel with a little bit of water in it, and I tried using that, but it didn't work. So he grabbed the only liquid that was left, cans of Bud Light. That's as close to water as you're going to get, by the way. It's like, uh, what do they say? It's like sex in a canoe. Oh, yeah. You can't tell the punchline. When I ripped up the sheet metal, it had a nail. So I was just shaking it up, popping it just and spraying them, popping it out and grabbing another one. My buddies all tease me about drinking watered beer. (laughs) And I say, hey, saved my shop. 
Little said firefighters arrived soon after he used his beer to extinguish the flames at his shop. There you go. Thank you for Bud Light. <laughs> I still that's the most popular beer in the country? Bud Light? Yeah, here let me I always thought it was Miller Light. Hmm. Let me just go through this. Uh, I'm trying USA to remember today. when I bartended, did we sell a, a, a good deal of Bud Light? I'm trying to remember. Yeah, Bud Light. Um, yeah, number one. Wow. I don't know why I'm so surprised by that. And this Now, this is going from 20. I'll try to find a maybe more up-to-date one. So in 2017. It was Bud Light. Uh, what was yeah, the list? 33 million uh, barrels. 33 million barrels. Yeah. A year? Uh, in that year. That's just to, just to give you a, light. yeah, just to give you a sense, uh, Coors Light, the next one down. Coors Light. Hey man, I don't mind a Coors Light. When the mountains are blue, Silver you know what bullet. to do. Yeah, sixteen point five million. Wow, it's almost double. Yeah. What Coors Light? What's what's after Coors Light? Uh, we go down to Budweiser, Regular Bud Heavy, Bud. yeah, Diesel as they call it, uh, Miller Light, and number four, Corona. Michelob Ultra, Modelo Especial, Natural Light. Oh, Natty Light. Uh, Bush Light, regular Bush, Heineken, Keystone, Miller High Light. Keystone? Yeah. Oh, man. Be smooth, like oh, Keith Stone. <laughs> Keystone. Uh, Bud Ice at number 15. That stuff's dangerous. Well, you remember that, you know, you don't remember because you were probably one or two, but there was an ice craze. Yeah, they had, they had old style everything, ice, right? Everything they every brand had an ice because it was it, it had more alcohol. It uh, the alcohol yeah. content was stronger. Uh, I'll go all the way down to number twenty five, which is Milwaukee's best ice, the Beast. Milwaukee's best, Milwaukee's best ice. And then uh, how do you t- make Milwaukee's best worst? <laughs> make it Milwaukee's best ice. Oh, not my that God. I didn't drink Milwaukee's uh, Milwaukee's yeah. best. I did. Full percentage on that one, 5.9% ABV. Oh, man. Uh, And then, uh, surprisingly, and dead last is Guinness. Only 1.1 million barrels. Wow. Which is... uh, That's surprising. People like they're domestic, I guess. Yeah. Well, you know, whatever your grandpappy drank, you probably drink too. Yeah. All right. Um, 312-981-7200 is the phone number. Uh, you ever saw? Have you ever survived anything pretty crazy? You know, three one two nine eight one seven two hundred. We're also going to talk about craziest ways people have saved their own lives. So, if you've uh, been in something that was really kind of dangerous and you survived, do you ever survive anything crazy? Love to hear your story. Three one two nine eight one seven two hundred. White Snake. Hello. Hi. Nick DeGilio here on 720 WGN. Uh, we're here until 4 o'clock. And uh, the regular Friday features start at 3. We play back some comedy from uh, the Johnny Carson show every uh, weekday morning at 2.30. And we're going back to 1991 for Ray Romano's very first appearance on The Tonight Show. 
Phone number is 312-981-7200. Wondering if you survived anything kind of crazy. You got some uh, pretty crazy stories here about uh, ways people have saved their own lives. So uh, have you survived something? And you're here to talk about it. And we're glad for that. Here's Patrick on WGN. Go ahead, Patrick. So I got two things. Um, one, when I was uh, like 18 years old, I'm 50 years old now. I was in Hawaii, and uh, I'm going through, I'm walking down a sidewalk, and somebody says, get down, there's a sniper. And I don't know how old you are, but when I was a kid, my cousins used to say, let's go snipe hunting, and it was snipe hunting is nothing. There's there's nothing. It's, it's your going Right. To, we, we, so, this was mentioned on the show yesterday. So when I hear sniper, I'm like, oh, yeah, great. Yeah, I fought for that one before. Well, apparently, there was a sniper, and the guy was literally shooting people. Um, we went, I, when I went to Hawaii, met a couple uh, girls, they just married, and they got both, both of them got shot. And on the way home, they were on a flight home with us. And that was crazy. I was on a, I was literally on the street, and they're like, "Hey, get down! There's a sniper." I'm yeah. like, "Yeah, I don't know what you're talking about." All right, um, just keep walking. I'm um, hey, right. Well, all and right, then, Patrick. Thanks, buddy. You don't want to mess around with a sniper. Yeah, I was. I wanted to know because um, I, I decided to check it out. I wonder if it was in 1979. 1979. Yeah, he said he was a kid, and he's yeah. 50 now. So that sounds probably about sounds right. about. Plays pretty well. Yeah, Sniper kills five in Hawaii. Wow. August 27th, uh, looking at this one, August 27th, 1979. So, wow, yesterday. Yeah. Oh. That's a weird anniversary right there. Yeah, so I wonder if that was it. Yeah, I think he said he was a kid, so yeah. he would have been really young in 1979 because he said he was 50. Because I was 14 in 1979. So he would have been like nine. So... Uh, let's see, it's Trucker Ryan. Hey, Ryan. Hey, Nick, you hear me loud and clear? Yeah. All right, I got a story for you, but, um, that's with my truck and trailer. I was just coming south on I-39 from Wisconsin into Illinois, and I saw up ahead there was black ice, something maybe uh, discolored, and I didn't like it. Yep. So I was like, all right, just hold your course slow down the speed, and before you know it, I'm losing control. The nose of the truck is going left. I look at my mirrors. Oh, the trailer's straight. Okay, let's counter-steer, counter-steer. Uh, too much. Now she's going to go right. Nose is going right, and the trailer's still straight. I'm like, okay, good. good, good, good. All right, um, let's go back this way. And eventually, when I got the truck straight, I heard a chirp on the steers, chirp on the drives, chirp on the trailer, and I was like, I know what that is, and I've got full control again. I went on dry pavement. Mm. So what does that tell you? Uh, I don't know. That tells me I was that close from death. Mm. If you were at any other angle, left or right, you would have darted like an arrow, and there's nothing you could do. Wow. Well, it's dangerous out there. You know that. You're a truck driver, and black ice is really yeah. dangerous. There's a lot, of, a, a lot of dangers for truckers out there. Especially at this time. Have you noticed the... Uh, rates of accidents have went up since this whole pandemic yeah well people are you know i, I think people are driving like maniacs uh, uh you know now 
So I don't know. There's yeah, like, wait happens until it's winter. Yeah, you think it's going to go up? I don't know. I don't know. All right, I Ryan, predict it the, will. Okay, thanks, Ryan. I predict Ryan. it will. If people three one two nine eight one seven two hundred. If you've survived anything, that's scary. You know, you're in a truck, a semi, and a jack a jackknives. That's incredibly dangerous. We've talked about uh, we we always say hi to the truckers and give them a give them a salute. They're doing uh, they're doing real hard work, man. Necessary work, especially through this whole pandemic thing, and uh, and it's dangerous. It can be very dangerous out there. Well, and to, and to Ryan's point about how reckless drivers can be, yes. you know, not truck drivers, but other drive car traditional car drivers, just incredibly reckless. I mean, you see it all the time. Um, you know, it's rare that I f- really feel threatened by a truck. I feel more like if I'm near a truck on the highway or something, I want to be out of his or her way. Oh yeah. Absolutely. I want to give, I want to give, that's why I feel nervous. I'm like, Ooh, I want to give them a nice wide oh, yeah, berth. A- absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Just to make it easier. But, um, there's some people with just a ridiculous sort of on the road contempt for trucks. I don't, I, don't I, I don't get it. I really don't. They're, they're delivering the crap that you buy. Yeah, you moron! Give yeah. him, give him some space, buddy. Come on. All right. Um, if you've uh, survived anything, you want to give us a call at three one two nine eight one seven two hundred. The craziest way people have saved their own lives. You ready? Some of these stories: Donner kebab bandage, sandwiches save lives. People in two thousand eleven, James Hobbs of Highbridge, Scotland. You ever been there? Yeah. Yes. Yeah, it's a radio show. Uh, yeah, Tom, they're not going. They're not going to hear you shaking your. No. Yeah. I. I understand. No. <laughs> I've. I've been to Highbridge. Yes. Is it cool? Yeah. It's nice. It's a nice part of the nice part of the country. Uh, he had bought a Donner kebab to go, and was on his way home when he had a run-in with his neighbor, James Edney. And by run-in, I mean Edney attacked him with a knife, stabbing him in the neck. Hobbs, in a bout of quick thinking, held the sandwich to his neck. To stem the bleeding. While he ended up losing more than six pints of blood, he was still alive with help when help arrived and managed to survive the attack. It's a good thing he was hungry. Wow. A kebab. He put the sandwich next to his neck. Wow. That was in Highbridge, Scotland. All right. How about this one? Shot to the head. These are crazy ways people have saved their own lives. Disclaimer, shooting yourself in the head is not generally a great way to save your life. This story is a massive exception. In 1988, a young man from Los Angeles, California, known only as George, who was suffering uh, from severe debilitating OCD, made the decision to end his life. He was washing his hands several hundred times a day took so many showers that he was forced to drop out of school and quit his job. George put a 22 caliber uh, gun to his head and took the shot. Miraculously, he not only survived, but the bullet got lodged uh, in the left lobe of his brain, destroying the part that caused his compulsions. Shooting himself in the head made him free of OCD. George's IQ was unaffected, and after recovering, he returned to school, he got a job, and he eventually went to college. It's an understatement to say we don't recommend trying this at home. Wow, that's a that's an amazing story. You've heard these kind of crazy stories though in the past. So here's trucker Rich. Go ahead, Rich. 
Hey, Nick. How you doing tonight? Glad to hear your dad's home. Yeah, he's home. I used to, yeah, I used to haul oversized, oversized loads, and I was hauling a 160 foot bridge beam one day, and the back of the trailer strapped to the beam, and we had electric hydraulic steering on the back, so you can make corners. Yeah, and uh, I was running about 40 mile an hour when the wires shorted out, and the trailer started going left. Across three lanes of traffic. Oh, boy. There was no one around us. I just yelled at my front escort to block traffic, the back escort block traffic. And when I finally got it stopped, because you can't slam on the brakes or you'll tear everything apart. But uh, I had the tractor in the right ditch and the trailer in the left ditch. Everything came to a rest. We stopped. We got it. The wires disconnected. We started the motor up, and I started pulling ahead and got everything straight and carried on and went up to the next big pull-off area over in Missouri, and we're fixing the wires when five cops showed up. And they says, are you the one that was sideways? I said, yes, sir. And he says, well, uh, do you want to ride to Walmart? And I says, uh, no, sir, why? He says, because we figured you'd need to change your pants after that, because <laughs> when we heard this was going sideways, we figured you were dead, because yeah. you guys, we've seen these things. You've been hauling them in there for nine weeks. We were doing a bridge over the uh, Mississippi River at... Uh, Hannibal, right? And he said, "I figured, I figured you'd be, you know, you'd be dead, and the road would be blocked for a week. But we can give you a ride to Walmart if you need to get some clean shorts." <laughs> and, and it didn't phase me till I got back in the truck and I'm thinking about what he said. And then I had the shakes about it. I had to sit there and smoke a cigarette and drink a can of Diet Pepsi before I could leave again. So, yeah, wow, that's scary <laughs> stuff. You guys out on the road, man? Stay safe, Rich. Yep, we're trying. All right, take care. All right, yep, All right. bye. Three one two nine eight one seven two hundred. If you survived some stuff that was kind of scary, that's terrifying. It's terrifying. So, all right, um, we'll uh, get back to this uh, conversation a little bit in a little bit. But right now, we're going to go to the news, and after the news, we've got some uh, comedy from uh, uh, why am I uh, it, Ray Romano? Right. Okay. All right. Uh, let's get to uh, the news. Who's that? Elton John. Oh. Oh, it's Nik- it's n- little Nikita. Oh boy. <laughs> Nick DeCelio here on seven twenty, uh, WGN. We're live in the uh, Skyline Studio here till four o'clock. Regular Friday features at three o'clock start with uh, you, big dummy. That's where we read real news stories of real dumb people doing real dumb stuff. And we vote on who's the biggest dummy. Tom votes, I vote. First person through on the phone is our third vote. Uh, we got uh, straight out of context. That's when you listen to this radio station 24-7, whenever anybody at any time says something that you could pull out of context and it sounds a little uh, dirty and it makes you giggle. Jot down the day, the time, who said it. Send it to nickdshow at gmail.com. Nick D. Show spies. That's where you listen 24-7. Whenever anybody at any time mentions me or the show in any capacity, we want to know about it. Jot down the day, the time, who said it. Send it to nickdshow at gmail.com. And, of course, Fly Jams Friday, where we hear some soul and some R&B spun by DJ Luscious Hushes. All right. Every morning, uh, weekday morning around this time, we like to go back and play some classic comedy from the Johnny Carson Show. You can watch the Johnny Carson Show every night on Antenna TV. 
and we play clips that include like sketches or interviews or things like that and some stand-up. And uh, this morning, we're going to go back to 1991 for the very first appearance of Ray Romano. So here's Ray Romano on Carson Show. Thank you very much. You're very nice. This is uh, very exciting for me. The first time here on the West Coast, I just got here yesterday with my wife. We spent the whole day shopping, of course. She wants to buy a car phone now, my wife, for no apparent reason. She wants a car phone. People are just a little too phone obsessed now, don't you think? Oh, cars, planes, little pocket phones. You know what they're going to do? They, sooner or later, they're going to make a phone into a little, a little microchip that everyone will just have surgically implanted in their ear, <laughs> and that'll be the end of it. Wherever you go... Oh, I'm going to call one second. Oh, hi, Joe. How are you? What's up? Yeah. Yeah, how are you? Oh, my other one. i got to put you on hold. <laughs> Billy. Hi, Bill. How are you? Yes, I'm talking to Joe. Here, I'll put you on conference. Got to talk to each other. Yeah, how are you guys? What's up? Well, well, hold on, guys. I'm getting the facts. One second. <laughs> thank you. So all day we were shopping. We went out for breakfast earlier. You know, breakfast has to be the most annoying meal to order out. Only for one reason. Let me ask you this, folks. Is there an orange juice shortage in this country? What's the deal there? Because I'm always like, waitress, please. Large. Large jumbo juice. As a little thimble of juice comes out. My wife ordered the small, and they came around with a damp rag. Oh. <laughs> We're married four years, me and my wife are married. And we didn't live together first, which I recommend. Yeah, yeah I do. No, here's what I recommend. If, if you have no experience living with a woman like I didn't, have someone brief you before you move in. A briefing will help. Just for the first day, you're going to make decisions the first day that affect you forever. And I, I blew them all, really. And I'll tell you the most important one. I'm finding out now. It's the side of the bed. You're going to choose. Yeah, you can't. Don't overlook that because that's your side for life right there. No changing. And I blew the call. I, I didn't look at the TV angle. Yeah. I didn't know. I just, I went with my childhood instinct. I took the side away from the door in case the boogeyman comes in. Okay, all right. The boogeyman will get her. I'll be in my spaceship by then. <laughs> we have a baby now, too. We're proud parents. We have an eight-month-old daughter. Yeah, thank you. All right, thanks. She wants five. This is the sad part. She wants five kids. Yeah, that'll... That's never going to happen. Five kids. How can that... We're not even going to have sex that many times again, to be honest with you. No, no. Married people, you know what I'm talking about. What happens to sex after marriage? My sex life came to such a screeching halt. An airbag popped out of the bed. I'm sleeping with a crash dummy now. You know what else? I'm finding out when you live with a woman, there are duties in the house that a man is automatically given. And not the common ones, not just the garbage. There's little obscure ones you find out as you go along. For example, in the middle of the night, I am now the automatic 
noise checker outer. Yeah. Every little, oh, what's that? No, nothing. Go to sleep. No, check it out. What do you mean, sleep? How can I sleep? That's a burglar, maybe. He might have a gun, too, so go. Get him. Be careful. Put your slippers on. Bring me up a yogurt. checker and the bug killer i'm the bug killer why 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 do women think men like bugs you know, like, i'm squeamish the other day my wife screamed i ran up to the bathroom and this thing frightened me really i've never seen a bug that large it was gross and we have a clean bathroom okay my wife wrote that yeah 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 yeah, yeah. yeah. yeah I need a disclaimer in there. But we had a huge bug. Even for New York, it was huge. It had graffiti on it. It was incredible. And she's hysterical. Oh, kill it. Don't look. Kill. And you don't kill. You don't just rush in and kill a bug like that. You have to plan it out. What if I swing and miss this guy? I don't know if he has the gift of flight, for one thing, all right? I'm not ready for a kamikaze bug. Then she tells me to spray it. The women think any aerosol can could kill a bug. She <laughs> says, use deodorant. I've killed bugs with deodorant. I'm trying to kill a monster with deodorant. That all I could find was the roll-on. No, oh, this ain't working. God. He likes this. He wants his tummy done. Look, beautiful. Beautiful. I have a friend now. But <laughs> so we're happy. And we're adapting well to parenthood, too. I hope I'm a good parent. You know what I'm worried about when kids start talking and they have questions they need answered? The touchy ones. That's what I'm dreading. My daughter, you know, she'll be like, she'll be four or five years old, and she'll see me, she'll see me coming out of the shower. Oh, Daddy, wait a second. What's that? uh, I'm just going to go, look, go go get your mother, and I'll explain it to both of you, okay? Oh, man, is he funny. Boy, that was his first time on the show. He killed, you know? Oh, Ray Romano. Yeah, I've recently rediscovered Everybody Loves Raymond, and I'm now really loving it. You know what I mean? I mean, I watched it every once in a while when it was on. But now, I just, I think it's great, and I think everybody on it is hilarious. Um, Oh, well, and then, of course, there's there's this when he was on SNL. Oh, my had- God. Okay, Penguins need a win against the Bruins to get to the 500 mark. Yes, they do, but Penguin goalie Peter Scudra says, Hey, try not to shoot that puck up my pooper. <laughs> yeah, but check out this guy, this guy on the Bruins. He says, I'll shoot the puck anywhere I want. And if that happens to be in your pooper, so be it. <laughs> Stumanji. Where's sweet, sassy molassy? <laughs> that was a sketch. That was really one of the funniest sketches ever. Now, I mean, that was a great show, by the way, that he hosted. That was an excellent episode. And that sketch was, uh, he was a, a, a new anchor uh, on, on, Sports Center. on Sports Center, And the, the sketch was about how, you know, the, the sports guys have, like, phrases that they, you know, that they use. And so Tim Meadows was 
Stuart Scott. Stuart Scott. Yeah. And he was the and, and Ray Romano was new trying to come up with he was just trying to come up with phrases, <laughs> catchphrases because all of the news guys, all of the the, the uh, sports guys have them. Latest talk is that David Robertson is over the hill, but in my book, you got to get to White Castle before the weirdos show up <laughs> tonight at the Alamo Dome. <laughs> He gets happy go Jackie on the big white guy like a donkey eating a waffle. Sweet, sassy molassy. Get out the checkbook and pay grandma for the rub down as the Spurs beat the Heat 86 79. Stewart. I just love the names he comes. He got Stew Pot. Yeah. Stew Manji. <laughs> and by the way, um,. Tim Meadows is hilarious. Oh, he's great. Uh, his reactions are absolutely hilarious on that sketch. That is a, that is really one of my favorite sketches. And he, say, he keeps doing the booyah. Yeah. Booyah. Ah, Stuart Scott. Miss him. Yeah. All right. Uh, let's do some weather. Take a quick break, and we'll come back. we got some people on the line we're talking about. Uh, if you survived something that was a little scary. Jillio here on 720 WGN. <laughs> uh, there it is. <laughs> Whoa. Yeah, man. Dogs are going crazy right now. Nick DeGilio here on 720 WGN. Uh, it's a Friday morning, uh, so coming up after 3 o'clock, all of our regular Friday features, and also the news is next from the Northwestern Medicine Newsroom. We've been talking about these crazy ways people have saved their own lives, and I, and I threw this out there. Um, you know, Have you ever survived something that was a little crazy? 312-981-7200. Here's Lulu. Go ahead, Lulu. Hey, Nick. How are you? Um, I was a teenager, and... I was water skiing, and there were four of us, you know, behind the boat skiing. And if one person falls, you drop off right away. And that's what happened. But as the boat was making the turn to come around, all the ropes got tangled in the handles. And the driver or the spotter didn't see me. And the... um, the handles entangled my hair. So the next thing I know, I mean, I I have nothing. The only thing that's pulling me is my hair in this tangle of rope and handles, and I just frantically worked my I had my hair in a ponytail. I frantically worked it out before I drowned. But it's it's almost like I can see it happening right now. Yeah. And it was fifty years ago. I don't know, forty fifty five, who knows? Wow. All right. Well that's pretty scary stuff. Glad you're here, Lulu. I'm me too. Okay, take care. <laughs> Thanks, bye. You ever go water skiing? 
Um, I've never gone water skiing, but I've watched, I've watched people go water. Like I've been on the boat or maybe on like a, on a jet ski nearby. And, um, my, one of my best friends from, from high school, his dad, uh, is like a champion water skier and he does it barefoot. Oh, one of those guys. Yeah. He's, he's amazing. It's incredible. He's got to be maybe 56. No. Oh no, not that old. <laughs> can you can you water ski barefoot? You're no, 55. I can't. I can barely walk barefoot. <laughs> um, no, he can. He's he's like fifty six. Okay, most fifty six year old guys are not going out and water skiing barefoot. That's tough. Yeah. So I'm just saying that good for him. Uh huh. What for making it to fifty six? Oh my God, he's fifty six. Don't be so salty. Uh huh. I'm an old man trying to get some wedges. I know. Well, now you can't because KFC yeah, took got those rid away. Of the wedges. You can go to Jewel. Go to the Jewels. They got. They've wedges. got They're good wedges there. Super good wedges. Yeah, and chicken. They've got good chicken there. Honestly, I'm going to take Jewels fried chicken over oh, KFC. I every love day. Jewels fried chicken at every the, day of the week, at, twice at on the, Sundays uh, at the, uh, the the deli. Right, that's where you get it. I love Jewels fried chicken. It's fantastic, and the wedges are good, too. Highly recommend it. When the Factory Theater used to be over on Elston, it was within walking distance of the Jewel at, uh, like, uh, near Addison and Elston. And, uh, you know, I can't tell you the, the number of times I walked over to that Jewel and got the fried chicken and the wedges and brought it back to the theater and just shoved it into my face. So... Uh, have you ever survived anything that was a little crazy? 312-981-7200. How about uh, this one? Mountain lion repellent, opera singing. Kira Kopenstansky was on a hike in a park near her home in Colorado one day in 2014 when she heard a twig snap behind her. I turned and there it was, she, showed, she, showed, uh, she told Nine News. A mountain lion standing 10 to 15 feet away from me. Kira knew not to run, but backing away slowly and swinging tree branches to make herself look bigger weren't doing anything. The mountain lion still advanced. So Kira started belting opera music. It kind of put its ears down and just kept looking at me in a sort of backed away, she told the news. Eventually, the mountain lion lost interest and retreated. And that's when uh, Kira was able to calmly walk back down the mountain to her trailhead. I wasn't reporting whether Kira was a trained opera singer or not. Maybe it helps to be terribly off pitch. That's scary. Running into a mountain. Well, I guess running into a mountain line, just start singing, man. Seemed to work for Kira. How about ramming a police cruiser? Typically, ramming your car into a police car is a bad idea. But doing so saved a teenager in New Jersey in 2013. The girl had been kidnapped by 45-year-old Floribert Nava who uh, held her at gunpoint and insisted she drive to Philadelphia. As they were driving, they passed a police cruiser, which was pulled over. So the teen pointed her car toward the cruiser and drove into it. In the shock of the crash, the girl was able to get away and alert the police officer. Nava was arrested at the scene. Wow. Boy, that's, that's like quick thinking for a teenager. Well, for anybody, really. You know, you're in a situation like that. Your brain's probably going nuts. You're shaking. All right, how about this? Jim Becker of, of uh, Racine, Wisconsin, 
is a big fan of the Green Bay Packers. A really big fan. Such a big fan, in fact, that in 2010 he started selling his blood to buy super expensive season tickets. A lot of his blood. During one pre-screening, doctors found out that Becker's father had died of uh, hemochromatosis, also known as the Celtic disease, which uh, causes excessive amounts of iron in the blood. Becker was tested, and he had uh, the disease that killed his father. Luckily for Becker, one of the only effective treatments is giving blood. By selling his blood for football tickets, Becker was unknowingly saving his own life. Wow. All right. How about this? Ronald Post is the only death row inmate to successfully stave off lethal injection with a claim of being too fat. His attorneys argued in 2013 that his weight, he's 450 pounds at the time of his execution date, prevented him from being able to be executed humanely. Richard Way Cooney attempted the same argument, but to no avail. Uh, Post may have won the fat defense, but he died seven months later in a prison hospital in Ohio. His weight may have saved him from the death penalty, but it likely contributed to the whole host of health problems that eventually led to his death. Would you? Would that be considered irony? Um, uh, that's got to be situational irony. Yeah, I think irony. so. Can you call Alanis? Yeah. Because, <laughs> um, yeah, too, too overweight to die for the, through the death penalty, but being overweight is what kills is what you. Kills him. Yeah. yeah, that's irony. I think that's yeah. irony, yeah. How about calling 911 and ordering a pizza proved to be a genius move for this Portland, Oregon woman who was stuck in a room with her violent, abusive boyfriend. If this story, which took place nearly 10 years ago, doesn't give you the chills, I don't know if your body's working correctly. So she called 911 pretending to order a pizza. I'll tell you. I'll tell you right there. That's that's pretty smart. That's pretty good. And then how about a killer bee attack? That's terrible. Killer, killer bees? Ellie Lobel... Contracted Lyme disease in 1997 at the age of 27. Many people don't understand that a tiny tick bite can ruin your life. Lyme disease left Ellie with constant flu-like systems and horrible body aches. She could barely move. After 15 years of suffering, she was ready to give up. She stopped treatment and moved from the Midwest to California to die. Three days after moving, she was attacked by a huge swarm of Africanized killer bees, and Ellie was severely allergic to bee stings. Just her luck. Lobel knew... Uh, knowing she was bound to die anyway, refused hospital treatment after the attack. Uh, I locked myself in my room, and I told my caregiver to come collect my body tomorrow, but LaBelle didn't die. On the contrary, it seemed that after a few weeks that the bee venom was curing her Lyme disease. And it was. Today, three years later, she's as healthy as ever. That's nuts. Isn't that crazy? Wow. Well, those are great stories of people surviving a lot of crazy stuff. All right. Uh, hey, the regular Friday features are going to begin. We've got uh, You Big Dummy, where I'll read real news stories of real dumb people doing real dumb stuff, and then we vote on who's the biggest dummy. Tom will vote first, I'll vote second, and then you will be our our third vote. And you call it 312-981-7200. So the regular Friday features coming up, but now let's get to the news. Here's dummy. <laughs> You big dummy. You big dummy. See what you did? Oh, no. You big dummy. You dummy. Oh, 
Vic DiGiulio here on 720 WGN, live in the Skyline studio here until 4 o'clock. And you know when you hear this, the regular Friday features are beginning. Ah, yes. It's time for You Big Dummy. So this is where we read real news stories of real dumb people doing real dumb stuff. And then we vote on who's the biggest dummy. Tom votes, I vote, and then the first person through at 312-981-7200 is our third vote. Let's begin. Dummy number one, dummy number one, dummy one. Maybe the 21-year-old driver looked at his teeth in the mirror to ensure nothing was stuck in them because he had a big date. Perhaps he was admiring recent dental work. Whatever the case, the man's choice, August 16th, to look at his teeth in the mirror behind the wheel of a Honda Accord appears to have been a poor one, according to an arrest affidavit. It's because he's accused of crashing head-on into a St. Lucie County Sheriff's deputy's marked patrol vehicle. The incident on Regina Drive happened as the deputy said he was southbound when a northbound Honda drifted into the opposite lane of travel and crashed head-on with him. The deputy reported that before the crash, he stopped his patrol vehicle, honked the horn, and activated the siren to get the driver's attention. Evidently, it didn't work. The crash pushed the deputy's vehicle back about four feet. The driver of the Honda, a Fort Pierce resident, said he was looking at his teeth in the mirror when he came in contact with the patrol car, the affidavit states. Drivers of motor vehicles are encouraged to keep their eyes on the road as opposed to their teeth. (laughs) It's unlikely... Uh, the deputy gave the driver a toothy grin. Instead, he must have—he may have gnashed his teeth because of the damage to the patrol car bumpers. Who wrote this? The driver's purpose in looking at his teeth wasn't stated. The tooth fairy couldn't be reached for comment. The possibility exists that he was contemplating attempting the world record for most Pringles held between his teeth. That title is held by... Uh, the Tiz Vertzloot from Malaysia on June 22nd, 2005. According to Guinness World Records, Vertzloot held 30 poor Pringles between his teeth. Deputies didn't sink their teeth into the man, but they did arrest him uh, uh, for driving a motor vehicle without license. What kind of life do you think it is being the father of a young dummy? For every dummy, there's a dummy. Dummy number two, dummy number two, dummy number two. Ontario Provincial Police say a truck was traveling at close to 100 kilometers an hour when its dump box raised. With its dump box raised. When it's stuck on a highway overpass at Ottawa's West End, leaving the box jammed under the overpass for several hours. The 53-year-old Almonte man driving the truck has been charged with careless driving under the Highway Traffic Act after the crash on Thursday. The OPP, yeah, you know me, um, 
says a dump truck traveling eastbound on Highway 47 stuck the un- struck the underpass on Huntmar Drive at just after 11 a.m. The large dump box that stuck the overpass became wedged under the bridge while the rest of the vehicle kept moving. The truck stopped about 100 meters down the Queensway after the crash. In a statement Friday morning, the OPP said that the investigation confirmed the truck had been traveling at close to 100 kilometers an hour with the dump box raised, resulting in that collision. You could hear this loud bang. You could feel the thing move, but you had no idea what it was. Donovan Levy, uh, who was working at the Palladium Auto Park when the truck struck the overpass, Levy said that he walked over to look to see what happened. Next thing you know, all the cops were around the road, and that's what it was. There was a truck jammed in there. Uh, Crews removed the dump box from the highway overpass just after 3 p.m. All lanes of the highway reopened just after 7 p.m. The driver of the truck was treated for minor injuries. One dummy ain't enough in this house. You got to bring home super dummy. But if you and Rollo going to be in the movie, I got the perfect name for it. Super dummies. We will uh, take a quick break here on uh, 720 WGN and continue with our dummies. We got uh, three more dummies to uh, to talk about here, and then we vote, and that's what's happening. By the way, um, I you know I, there was a period of time when trucks were getting uh, were getting tuna canned right outside my apartment, and it's loud. Let me tell you, when that happens, it's loud. Um. So uh, that must have been incredibly loud if he's going out, if he's going like 100 miles an hour. It's got to be nuts. So anyway. All right. More dummies coming up right here on 720 WGN. Uh, and uh, that's coming up. Yeah. All right. We are back. And the Friday features continue on the Nick DiGiulio show with you, big. Let's get back to it. Dummy number three. Dummy number three. Dummy number three. A 40-year-old man accused of having drugs in his trousers told Fort Pierce police the pants were not his. (laughs) According to an affidavit. Uh, the case happened August 5th as police, about 10.38 p.m., went down North 14th Street in, uh, Engle, at Englewood Terrace regarding a fight. The detective reported the two men were fighting, and one started fidgeting uh, with his left pants pocket, the affidavit states. Police patted down the man, a Fort Pierce resident, reported finding four bags of uh, in his left pants pocket. Police said one bag contained MDMA, and another held suspected marijuana. MDMA... And marijuana are not items you want in your pocket when you get patted down by the police. The man told investigators he and the other man were wrestling as opposed to fighting. He then stated that the pants he was wearing did not belong to him. <laughs> he said a passerby gave him the trousers. And he knew not what the pockets contained. Uh, he did not say that he had ants in his pants. In general, garments that cover the waist and legs, commonly known as pants, trousers, slacks, breeches, or pantaloons, are not shared with passers-by. Meanwhile, it could be said that the Fort Pierce man 
with the drugs in his pants was wearing the wrong trousers, which parenthetically is a 1993 stop-motion animated uh, episode featuring the characters of Wallace and Gromit. (laughs) The the 40-year-old man was jailed on charges of battery and possession of a controlled substance without a prescription. There's something for you right here. Want it. Dummy. Won't be long before we'll hear the pitter-patter of tiny dummies around the house. Dummy number four, dummy number four, dummy number four. A member of a Facebook group dedicated to men who post photos of loaded guns pointed at their privates in an attempt to, quote-unquote, trigger liberals, has accidentally shot himself in the crotch. The unidentified member of the group loaded guns pointed at at Venus uh, from the San Diego area posted a video of himself pointing his forty five caliber M19 semi-automatic at his genitals. After a brief pause, the, sud- the gun suddenly goes off. He says, hey, boys, I might uh, have effed up. The man wrote above a photo uh, of a towel stuffed between his legs, along with blood splattered on the floor, and the original and the copy of the Constitution. <laughs> the original footage was quickly deleted, but the group's members uploaded it again. Uh, God's caliber forty-five went through my scrotum, mattress, box spring, and floor. The man wrote as he bled out. He initially thought the round had just grazed his testicles, but was later surprised to learn at the hospital that he had actually hit his groin. Turns out that it wasn't a graze. That round went right the blank through me. Uh, what I would, uh, what I thought were two graze wounds turned out to be an entrance and an exit wound. An administrator for the Facebook group told Motherboard that he is 100% okay, actually went to work the next day. I'll spell it for you. D-U-M-M-Y, period. Dummy number five, dummy number five. A man was driving his Tesla on autopilot mode early Wednesday. Oh, we heard this in the news. Uh, Early Wednesday when he uh, nearly missed hitting a Nash County deputy standing outside of his cruiser before crashing into patrol patrol cars from the Nash County's office, uh, sheriff's office, uh, state highway patrol parked on the side of the U.S. Highway 64. Davinder Ghali, a Raleigh doctor, was in the Tesla watching a movie on his cell phone while his, his car drove itself, officials said. The Tesla collided with the deputy's car first and then was pushed into the state highway patrol car from the impact. The deputy who was conducting a lane closure overnight on US-64 near Spring Hope as a highway uh, patrol trooper investigated a separate crash. Both the deputy and the trooper were outside their cars. Luckily, the state trooper pushed our deputy out of the way when he heard the tires squeal, uh, and it was an instant that he could have lost his life. It could have been horrific. Uh, Goalie works for the Halifax Regional Medical Center in Roanoke Rapids and was driving to Raleigh when the accident occurred. He was charged with 
uh, with a move-over violation and viewing a television device while driving. The Tesla is marketed as having full self-driving capabilities and is created using artificial intelligence technology. The autopilot feature is described on Tesla's website as a feature that, quote, enables your car to steer, accelerate, and brake automatically within its lane. La-dee-dee, la dee dum is dummy. Just Donna and me. And the dummy makes three. All right. Okay, we got to vote. Uh, I'll do a recap for you, and then we'll get to voting. Uh, if you want to be our third vote... 312-981-7200. 312-981-7200. Okay, are you ready for the recap? We got the uh, guy looking at his teeth instead of the road, smashes into a deputy's car. We got a driver going 100 kilograms a, 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 a kilometers a, 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 an hour, and his dump box on his truck smashed into an overpass. Uh, we've got the man with bags of drugs in his trousers that say his pants are not his. We got uh, a guy in an online group points a loaded gun at his genitals and accidentally shoots his crotch. And we got the guy whose Tesla was on autopilot, uh, but he was watching a movie on his on his phone. <laughs> I wonder what movie he was watching. Madagascar. Yeah. All right. Where are you going with this one? Uh, I'm going to give the runner-up to the guy who shot himself in his uh, bits. Yeah. Um, that's really stupid. You know, who? what... what what person who has any sort of training in use of a firearm would ever point a loaded weapon at themselves, well, much less their own genitals? If they, if the group is, they post pictures of them, you know, pointing automatic weapons and stuff at their crotch, at least unload the gun. Yeah. Come on. So, all right. I guess. But uh, I'm going to go with the guy uh, watching a movie with a self-driving Tesla. God, it's so stupid. It's so stupid. Uh, pretty pretty good. By the way, 312-981-7200 is the phone number. We want to hear from you. You'll be our third vote, first person through. So get in here now, 312-981-7200. 312-981-7200. You will be our third vote. Um, so the uh, the teeth inspection is ridiculous. The guy looking at his teeth. That's pretty funny. I mean, come on, man. I, I also really like the guy who said, uh, these aren't my pants. <laughs> I, I think that, I think that's hilarious. I think it is hilarious. Um, oh, um But I, I'm gonna I'm gonna go with you. I'm gonna go with the guy watching a movie on his Tesla and his autopilot. Damn. So uh, there you go. If you you know if you want to be a we, we don't we don't actually don't need a third. <laughs> we don't need it's a third. Unanimous. It's yeah. unanimous. So there it is. That's our dummy of the week. We'll do it again next week. All right. Uh, shall we move on? Maybe get one in, one or two in. Yeah, sure. All right. Let's get one or two in before we break for. Uh, the news. Uh, with the, 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 this, this. Your neighborhood, you better duck, because Ice Cube is crazy as F bomb. As I leave, believe I'm stopping, but when I come back, boy, I'm coming straight out of context, context, context. 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 What's up? Tell them where you're from. Straight out, out of context, 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 context. Yeah, straight out of context, another Friday feature. Uh, listen to this radio station, you should, because it's awesome. You listen 24-7 whenever anybody at any time says something that you can pull out of context. Sounds a little dirty, makes you giggle. 
like a nine-year-old, you jot down the day, the time, who said it, and send it to nickdshow at gmail.com, and then we play them all back every Friday morning. All right, we'll get a couple in before the before the break here, Tom. All right, first one here. Uh, it's Ben Bradley, caught by Brian J. It took some alderman kind of maneuvering Lori Lightfoot into position. Oh, man. <laughs> uh, all right. Ooh. Uh, let's get another couple here from Brian. This is, uh, Lou Manfredini. Stick it in that hole and squeeze the trigger. (laughs) Oh, man. (laughs) Yeah, you'd be talking about, like, caulk or something, right? Uh, Some kind of caulk. Yeah. Um, (laughs) and then another one from Lou, uh, also from Brian. Thanks again, Brian. There's going to be areas where you may get exposed wood. (laughs) <laughs> oh Lou I hope Esmeralda's listening I hope so too She loves the Lou 25 years on uh, WGN Radio Yeah, 25 and this years this is what it comes down to I remember when he first started uh, appearing on Roy's show Oh man Yeah I remember when he first started appearing on Roy's show Goes And now back. and now this Stick it in that hole and squeeze the trigger And tu-tu-ta-pu-ti-tu-tu <laughs> Or whatever that is <laughs> I still don't understand what even he was trying to do there. Well, I, I, I don't mean, know. explaining signs between. I guess that was the sound effect of fingers. Makes no sense, man. All right. Uh, we've got a break here, right? Yeah. Yep, yep. All right. And then we'll continue with, uh, with uh, Straight Out of Context. And we got. Uh, We've got uh, Nick D. Show Spies and then Fly Jams Friday coming up. Let's break here. Let's uh, get into uh, the newsroom. So when I'm in your neighborhood, you better duck, because Ice Cube is crazy as F-bomb. Oh, as I leave, believe I'm stomping, but when I come back, boy, I'm coming straight. Out of context, context, context. Context, context. What's up? Tell them where you're from. Straight out of context, 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 context. All right, there it is, and uh, we're uh, right in the middle of uh, Straight out of Context. This is when you listen to the station 24-7, whenever anybody at any time says something that you can pull out of context, it sounds a little uh, dirty and it makes you giggle. Jot down the date and time who said it. Send it to nickdshow at gmail.com, and we play it back every Friday. All right, let's continue. All right, from Wild Bill, uh, here's a little bit of you. 50 feet long, 2,500 pounds, giant, massive snake. <laughs> uh, a terrible a terrifying beast yeah that was scary yeah yeah all right all right next is uh little john williams here and this one is coming to us from mike novak construction that's carol burnett doing it on an episode of the oprah winfrey show way back when <laughs> oh man <laughs> She was doing the Tarzan call. Of course she was. Yeah. Classic. Yeah. Tarzan call. Fantastic. Tugging on the ear. Tarzan call. Legend. How do you think she was able to do it that well? What, the Tarzan? Yeah. yeah. I don't know. It's just an amazing set of pipes yeah. on her. And she did it every episode. Yeah. So. All right. All right. Next up, uh, another another Nick D special here coming to us from Carrie. The, he, he had a little girth. <laughs> 
the German nudist. Yeah, he was a big guy chasing after his, what was he chasing after? A boar. A boar. Yeah, the, the wild boar that stole his laptop. Such a crazy story. I know. All right. Feel bad for the guy. Uh, number seven, coming to us from Waukegan J. Uh, yeah. A little bit more John Williams. I would give my left arm for ten more minutes of that. <laughs> what was he talking about? Uh, talking about like good weather at his at like your kid's baseball game. Oh, okay. I guess that's worth your left arm. I don't know about that, but okay, fair enough. Because I'm a lefty. Um, this is interesting. I think this will be the first time. I don't know. You tell me. Number eight, John Landacker. John Records I, I Landacker. Think, I think he had. I think when he filled in some time ago. Okay. Um. Yeah, I think he's been on. But not frequently, obviously. Not frequently, yeah. Well, he did some fill-ins. He did, filled in for Roe all week. Yeah, filled in for Roe. He filled in for Bob not too yeah. long ago. So we've got a little John Records Landecker coming to us courtesy of Jake. Is that what the horn's for? Yeah. Hold on, bend over. <laughs> what? <laughs> what? Is that what the horn's for? Yeah. Hold on, bend over. What was, it? What, is, what was he talking about? Something about a unicorn or something. A unicorn? Yeah. What does hold on, bend over mean? I don't understand that. I, I wish I knew. Oh, I wish I understood. John. Records is filthy. Truly is my middle name. Okay. <laughs> All right. Next up, uh, a little bit more John Williams. Uh, this one also coming to us from Jake. Say your ball's near my ball, and we're both 20 feet away, and you're not sure how it's exactly going to break. They're golfing? <laughs> yeah, talking about golfing. Using a golfing metaphor. Right. They've been using a lot of golfing metaphors the past few weeks. Yeah. Balls near. What? <laughs> All right. And then finally, uh, we're going to cap it off here with a little bit more John Landecker. More John Landecker. All right. I got a feeling that um, diehard Halloweeners are going to do something no matter what. What, <laughs> what are they going to do? Uh, celebrate. Celebrate Halloween. Oh, because there's some there's some Halloween stores that are just like not buying costumes. Uh, they just said we're not we're not even going to bother because what's Halloween going to look like? Nobody's going to trick or treat. Yeah. Halloweeners, yeah. Halloweeners, Halloweeners. <laughs> Never heard that word before. Nurse, I think uh, Mr. Landecker made that up. He coined a phrase or coined a yeah. term. Halloweeners, Halloweeners. Well, I'm I'm happy to be a Halloweener. I love Halloween. Who d- exactly? So you're a Halloweener? Uh, yeah, I guess I am. It's my. It's uh, uh, Halloween is actually my favorite. Well, Thanksgiving is my favorite holiday, and I, you know, you consider Halloween a holiday, right? Yeah, yeah, I love Halloween. Yeah, it's my mom's favorite holiday. It's awesome. Yeah, well, especially because for me, it's right before my birthday. So growing up, it was always like awesome. Not only do I get to run around in a costume, watch scary movies, and eat candy, but then in like four days, it's my birthday. You know, um. You mentioned watching scary movies. Every channel for the whole month, AMC especially. AMC goes nuts. They do a they do a, the best one, if you ask me. Yeah, out of the like basic cable. Yeah, they do the best one. But yeah, I mean, it's you you you, could, you got a real good choice of horror movies during that month. So that's another reason why I like it so much. So, all right, uh, let's uh, try uh, this. Can dance like so what's all of us 
Spies. Hey. Someone took your plans away. So what's all of us? There ain't nobody. Spies. 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 Like us. All right. There it is. The theme from Spies Like Us. Chevy Chase, Dan Aykroyd. Quality stuff. I believe John Landis directed that movie, if I'm not mistaken. I thought Spies Like Us was pretty funny. Oh, it's super funny. Yeah. Yeah. Especially when they're they're putting him through all those tests. Mm-hmm. <laughs> no, Spies Like Us, I, I, really not talked about enough. And, I really like Spies Like Us. You know, like, like right around that same time, Landis made Three Amigos, which is also a very funny movie. Yeah. And those both, you know, they get talk a little bit, but, yeah. they, but not in the same regard as some of the other movies no which to be fair if we're talking about john landis there's animal house i mean animal house animal house oh american werewolf in London. american werewolf yeah that's honestly that's my favorite john landis movie mine's it's, animal house yeah which yeah. is animal house was a, and animal house was a seminal movie for me you know i mean it, re- it really was it was a you know i was a you know i was a massive snl fan and john belushi was my favorite i saw it when i was 13 my dad took me to see animal house when i was 13 Saw it at a the Harlem Cermak Theater, mm-hmm. and um, I I just I love that. It's still hilarious. It still holds up. Fat, drunk, and stupid is yep. no way to go through life, son. Mister Blue Tut. That's what <laughs> <laughs> they cut to Belushi. He's got the pencils up yeah. his nose. <laughs> Mister Blue Tut. Zero point zero. God, John Vernon's good in it. Yeah. Okay. Uh, so, so Nick D Show spies. This is when you listen to this radio station at twenty four a seven. And whenever anybody mentions me or the show in any capacity, we want to hear about it, and then you become a spy. You jot down the day, the time we said it, send it to nickdshow at gmail.com, and we play them back on Friday. All right. All right. Just one spy this week. Uh, a caller to the John Williams Show. This is coming to us from uh, John, and this was during the uh, Bright Side of Life. Bright Side so, yeah, on Friday. Bright Side, yeah. yeah. Fantastic stuff. So let's take a listen. All right, let's pick up a phone line, then. We'll start with Kathy, too. You're on WGN. Hi, Kathy. John, how are you? Talk to me. Why are you smiling? I'm smiling because I hit the trifecta today. How's that? A couple of days ago, I was on the Nick DiGiulio show. This morning, I was on Bob Surratt. And now, I'm on the John Williams show. And I love your show. When was she on the show? Did she call in? Yeah, I think she called in. Oh, okay. I recognized her voice. All right. So, thanks, Kathy. Oh, nice, nice little mention there. All right. So, keep your ears peeled. If uh, I get mentioned or the show gets mentioned by anybody at any time, jot it all down. Send it to nickdshowgmail.com. You want to hit the theme and then we'll uh, break or? Oh, yeah. When I grew up on the farm, fly was something we sprayed to kill and jam (laughs) was something we put on our breakfast toast. Jam. Fly jam. Fly jams Friday. Oh, yeah. This is Fly Jam Friday on your overnight radio with my man, Nick D, on 720 WGN. All right. Every Friday, we get Fly and uh, play some uh, R&B and some soul. 312-981-7200. We'll get some Fly Jams going.
Love this song. Alexander O'Neill. Produced by Terry Thomas and Huey Lewis. <laughs> oh, man. Uh, that's a great song. Yeah. Because you're fake, baby. I can feel it. It's lion season. It's lion season. That's right. So stay out of the j- jungle. Been <laughs> uh, a long week, Tom. I know, buddy. Hey, my dad's home. In case you, uh, in case you uh, weren't listening earlier, he's good. He's fine. He's back home. He's out of the hospital. Thank you for all of the nice thoughts, and uh, and I know that a lot of you included him in your prayers. And he's home, and he's feeling good. And uh, my mom couldn't be happier, and I couldn't be happier. And uh, he's good. And uh, he'll be back at the Jewel next week. That's they're, what I'm talking. They're letting about. him take one week off, and then he'll be back. So, then thank you guys for all of the the support and the thoughts and everything. Mm-hmm. It was a uh, stressful time, stressful time for a while. But he's good. He's really good, and he's back home. So. All right, uh, and he, by the way, he likes that song that we just played. So <laughs> that's coming to us from Chris. Chris, and we'll say that one's special for you, Mister DeGilio. I love that song. I do. All right, what do we got? All right, next up, I'm an average white man, but here's the average white band with "Going Home." timer it's not the first time the average white band has been played on fly jams friday but that's the first time that that song yeah it's from their album soul searching it's good album good song yeah but yeah that was a firster who would have ever thought that a bunch of dudes from dundee scotland could funk so i didn't know i didn't know that they were from scotland until you told me yeah trust me i I was was like the average white band is from (laughs) scotland (laughs) yeah that's the good stuff wow yeah that's that I, i love those guys they they had a nice run in the seventies. Are they still popular in Scotland? Do people still like them? And not as much as Bay City Rollers, obviously. Yeah, of, co- of course not. But um, you know they they they're cool with the older generation because everybody's just like yeah. You know there was a, there was a moment in the seventies where being Scottish and having an afro was like a thing. <laughs> <laughs> you can imagine a bunch of red afros. That yeah. was what it was like. All right, very cool. Okay, what do we got next for flying? Next up from our good friend Lisa, it's a little bit of the main ingredient. Just don't want to be lonely. And I don't care if we share only moments a day. I just don't want to be lonely. I'd rather be loved and needed.
Yeah, man. Yeah, main ingredient. They were a good band. I think they were underrated. I think they were underrated. So, uh, yeah, that's been we've we've played that one before on the old Fly Jam circuit. Well, the the main ingredient just so good. terrific. Yeah, terrific band. Also, I really like the name. I think that's a pretty cool name for oh, a band. Yeah, the main ingredient. Well, it's like you know, what are you going to put on when you want to you know slow down and jam? When you put on the main ingredient. Yeah, that's the main ingredient. They've that's got right. what you need. Exactly. They've got the main ingredient. You know what we should do uh, as a topic? Yeah, we need to do worst band names. <laughs> well, yeah, we'll do that on Sunday, man. Let's, yeah, let's, let's do, that do that because I know there's a website that's dedicated to some of the worst band names of all time. And I mean, you know, some of them are like local bands. You know what I mean? It's not just like it's not just like you know huge bands that sold records. It it goes all over the place. So we'll talk about that. Let's let's plan on talking about bands with bad names. Definitely do that. Okay. All right. Flying it. Yeah. Let's fly it. Let's go over to uh, a little bit of Shalimar. Does that ring a bell? Of course. All right. Shalimar, a night to remember. That's coming to us from our friend Mike in Louisville. Thank you, Mike. What was Shalimar's big hit? Uh, let's see here. Let's they had a big that. hit. Shalimar had a had a real big crossover hit. Shalimar. That wasn't it. But I mean, that's a good song. But that wasn't the big hit. I mean, they, they may have had more than one. But I remember that they sure. had they had a pretty solid hit. Um. Came, hmm. And I want to say it might have been from a music. It might have been from a soundtrack, from a movie soundtrack. Um. But I can't think of it right now. Interesting. Well, they're um, yeah. I'm trying to look here. Uh, nothing, nothing's popping up really. But look at this. They had a career spanning from their studio album span from 1977 to 1990. Yeah, not a bad run for Shalimar. Well, the, the song that I'm talking about that was a hit was in the. Oh, uh, was it dancing, dancing in the sheets? Yes, dancing in the sheets. Okay, and you were right. It was from a soundtrack. Foot, uh, was it Footloose? No. Yeah, Footloose. Footloose, yeah. Okay. And they also won a Grammy. Do you know what they won a Grammy for? No. Don't Get Stopped in Beverly Hills from the Beverly Hills Cop soundtrack. They won a Grammy Oh, they for won that. a Grammy for the... <laughs> yeah. So Shalimar did a few soundtracks. Yeah, very right. good. Very cool. All right, yeah. we got time for what? Uh, we got are, one more here. One more? Uh, Let's do it. So we're going to do a little Tower of Power. This is coming oh, to us please. from Kim. And they're asking the question, what is him? Yep.
That's great. Tower Power, man. I have no idea who the drummer is, but he's amazing. Yeah. Incredible. Incredible yeah. drum work. Absolutely. Yeah, they, they're great. They're great. So that was Fly. Very Fly. Thank you, Luscious Hushes. You're welcome. Um, and it's been a fun week. Everybody have a nice, safe weekend. Um, and uh, stay inside. Be cool. And uh, we'll be back on Sunday night into Monday morning. 